Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi everyone and welcome to the Cognitive Recalibration Podcast. As always, I'm your host Shravan. We've got our co-host Tyrone here with us. Hey everyone. And never before done, or at least on our podcast, we've got three guests because we're going to be talking about Manmore in Season 2. Lot to talk about. There's some big reveals in that finale, so we're going to write into all those spoilers. But first what we'll do is, we'll do non-spoilers. So first I'll introduce <laughs> our guests. So we've got three brothers actually. Um, we've got the whole family here. So, Basket Cherokuri, Bhargava Cherokuri, and Bhardwaj Cherokuri. All, welcome all. Hi. Howdy. Hello. Nice to be back. And I guess, uh, I should mention that you're all massive Star Wars fans. I think all of you are. In varying gradients, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, you could say that. Yeah. 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 Probably more than us, right? I mean, you're, you're sort of a Star Wars. No, I hate Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. So we hate Star Wars and you love Star Wars. So go. we've, we've got that. Um, Two good camps to have on a podcast. <laughs> so Mandalorian Season 2. I'll give you some quick background. We can jump straight into it after that. So the first episode for Season 2 was released on the 30th of October. It's created by John Favreau. And the development actually began back in July 2019. So even the, the first season wasn't even out yet, and they already started developing the second season. The filming took place between October 2019 and March 2020. And they were actually very lucky with this because they finished just before they had the shutdowns due to COVID. So I think it was like four or five days before they had the shutdowns, they finished all the shooting. So that's why they were able to release the season this year itself. Post-production, however, was completed remotely. So all the re-recording, actually, so Ludwig Goransson's score was done remotely for, for this season. We'll get into all the stuff that's been announced, but a third season has been already announced for this bit about the music. So unlike the first season, so what, what happened in the first season was for every episode, they released a score. But for this one, they just released two sets of, of scores. So one was for the first half of the season and one was for the second half. On Christmas Day, there was a special premiere on Disney Plus where they showed the making of, of this season as well. Haven't watched it yet. Probably should have in preparation <laughs> for this, but that's, that's all right. It's too late now. Quick question before we start on this season. Where does the Mandalorian sit in the Star Wars timeline? So, in technical terms, if we're talking about the um, 
Battle of Yavin Stardate. Apparently it takes place, if I'm correct, nine years after the Battle of Yavin. Which movie is that? Uh, a, a New Hope. So it's the mm. end of A New Hope. First, the Death Star blown up. That's uh, Battle of Yavin. Yep. So it takes, takes place nine years after that, which is uh, technically five years after the end of Return of the Jedi. According to Shravan's notes, that is correct. That is <laughs> correct. I, I was just, <laughs> I was just uh, testing your knowledge, but you're exactly right. Uh, five years after the Return of the Jedi, and it's 25 before The Force Awakens. Yes. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And there is a very specific reason why I delved into the timelines. It has to do with one of the characters who will, who is appearing in season two. Okay. Okay. Oh, do we get prizes for answering these questions, right? Does he have like chocolates? Yeah. Do you have Milky Ways? <laughs> what is our incentive? <laughs> I'm only taking part if you've got chocolates. Okay. <laughs> chocolates. Okay. <laughs> Didn't realize you were 10 years old. All right. <laughs> the reward is knowledge. <laughs> Pride. Pride. What a jib. <laughs> Two bits of trivia. So this was similar to the first season. It was filmed on this technology called Stagecraft, which is basically like, from what my understanding, it's like a massive LED screen, pretty much. And that's the set. And what happened during the first season was one of the executives um, came onto the set. I think I think it was Kath- Kathleen Kennedy. She came onto the set and she saw the screen, but she didn't think it was a screen. She actually thought it was a set. And she went up to John Farrow and she's like, didn't you say you're not going to build anything for this for this series? What what what's all this? And he's like, "This sounds like a bullshit story. Like this never happened. <laughs> you don't go into a place and you see a screen and you're like, oh no, it's not a screen. It looks real. Well, that's bullshit. No, maybe that it's, never happens. Maybe it's so photorealistic that it no, looks real. Um, no, this is just yeah. propaganda. <laughs> the way if you watch, I didn't see the full making of, but if you see how they did it on Stagecraft, they actually had real life props, like actual sand and rocks and boulders on mm-hmm. set. And then they would project an actual image of the outside real set on the background. And if you stood in the right place, due to the parallax settings they were playing with in Stagecraft, it actually would look real from that perspective. Nah, I, call, I call bullshit. <laughs> I, call, I call bullshit. Well, either way, it looks, no amazing. Way. it looks amazing in the series, though. No, it looks amazing yeah. in the series, yeah, yeah. 100%. Yeah. To the point where you can but even see like, reflections. If you're on a set, you would know there's a TV projecting it. You, you would not think they built an actual set. You just need to go in a different angle and you can see the back of the TV. You can have this argument with Kathleen Kennedy. Yeah. Get her on get her on in the future. She you must can... have been sitting pretty far back. <laughs> okay, so we'll go into our overall thoughts, spoiler free, in case someone still hasn't seen this. Have you guys all seen it? Yep. We've all seen it. Oh yeah, okay. we've all just seen the it. audience. Yeah. Like yeah, so I'll give you my initial thoughts. I thought this was probably one of the best seasons of television that I've seen mm-hmm. personally. I thought it was great. Big standout for me is the just the way this looks, it looks like movie production values. It looks amazing. Um, Except for one particular scene, which we'll get to later. All right. But everything else looks amazing. So it looks like you're just watching a Star Wars movie, really. It looks, it looks um, quite spectacular. And the whole, the reason I like The Mandalorian so much is because it explores parts of Star Wars that are not related to the Star Wars movies. It's just a part of the Star Wars universe. But completely unrelated to what we've seen in the movies, which is what I I just like that they're doing something different. Get into my thoughts later on other stuff, but um, I think that's the biggest advantage for me about the Mandalorian. We can go around the table. So, um, any positives that you have, Basco? All positives for me. For me, <laughs> I guess I'm coming out from season one. There was a lot of uh, the bar was set quite high. Season one, Mandalorian really redefined what it was to make a long format, one hour, eight episode uh, saga on strictly something Star Wars in real life, which has never been done before. And I reckon they pulled it off 
amazingly well. Now season two begins. What are the where did, where do they go from there? And as a long time Star Wars fan, I have to echo it's one of the most incredible you could say combinations convergence of like old old school fans, new generation fans, Clone Wars fans, Rebels fans, all into one format, and it's never been done like that before. It was reminiscent of John Favreau's efforts with Iron Man in mar- like marrying the uh, the Marvel universe for the new generation. So this this is like the beginning of something quite significant. Like you said, the production value is was even from the very first episode, the production value was incredible. It was actually felt like it was sitting in a movie theater um, to the point where even the aspect ratio of what you were seeing was maxed out. So since like every, in terms of their yeah technicality, production, soundtrack, score, even the cast. Yeah. Incredible cast. Yeah. It's everything as a, as a, as a, as a kind of diehard fan. It's everything you want to see on screen. And, um, yeah, it, it didn't disappoint, especially when it came to the finale. Just on top of that, I would say that one of the things about season one that I think stopped a lot of people going further was the pacing. The first few episodes were a bit slow. Whereas this one, I felt season two, the pacing was perfect. I didn't feel at any point that it was going slow or it was running too fast. It was just perfect. And to echo what you said, Strivan, about how it touches on other areas of the Star Wars universe that we didn't get in the movies. So I don't think they've ever gone to a major star system in The Mandalorian. It's all been in the Outer Rim. And for me, that's great. It just touches on the stories that you would never get in the movies. And obviously, we'll go into spoilers um, at the end. But the fact that they've been able to do that and still maintain a story that's not only enjoyable to watch, but you actually empathize with a lot of those characters, I think that's really well done. And when you've got so many directors working on the same series that's really hard to do so you have to commend them on the fact that different directors have been able to bring in their own element but keep it the same show with the same consistent performance and everything it's been great yeah i think for me it was um just a breath of fresh air because i know that for me the um, sequel movies just sort of systematically killed any interest in star wars that i had because like they're just just terrible story terrible characters everything and then um john favreau and dave filoni they walked out of the theaters sort of the same sentiment and decided to come up with this show and then um really give the fans what they wanted and then make a really good refreshing show that sort of um moved my interest in the universe and um king for just more star wars now look my positives are probably the same as all of your positives i think everyone on this table is pretty positive so just to, <laughs> just have a bit of change of pace i'm going to go a bit negative because i don't think any of you guys are going to go negative on anything so i think i should give uh, the different point of view yeah, um, you'll hear some look, negativity uh, from me later yeah overall i think it's i actually really liked it i think it, thought it was a great season and i'm keen for season three but what i would say is that most of the episodes this season felt like a backdoor pilot to a different different series that they want to do later on mm. rather than concentrating on the actual Mandalorian, which he doesn't get too much play in this season, unfortunately. It's mostly just like, oh, we're going to do a series on this guy, so we're going to introduce him in this episode. Mm. We're going to do a series on this guy, so he's going to be in this episode. Mm. It's not actually a Mandalorian season. It's a, it's a Star Wars jumping off point for, for other characters, which some people may like. I thought... It could have been better if they just concentrated a bit more on the Mandalorian. I agree with that, but I think it still fitted in in the overall story. I think it made sense the way they did it. It, it did, but yeah. he doesn't get much play overall. I, yeah, I think yeah. his uh, his character and uh, 
Baby Yoda's character. I nearly said his actual name. Oh, baby. <laughs> <laughs> baby Yoda's character. Is that a spoiler? Is that still a spoiler? Now? I don't know. Is that a spoiler? Well, I if you haven't seen it, see it, I guess it is. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, it enough. doesn't spoil yeah. anything, though. It's just a random word. Yeah. <laughs> Spoilers everything. <laughs> yeah, I think they don't get as much play as they possibly could have because they're introducing other characters and other story points to build off on this huge Disney Plus universe that they that they announced. So, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I actually do have some negatives, which I'll go into spoilers. In yeah, spoilers, there's more negatives I have in spoilers. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's my spoiler-free negatives. Yeah. I guess one... You got me there, damn. <laughs> <laughs> one last thing I'll mention. The music, which you briefly mentioned, I think it it's, sounds like Star Wars, but it's so different from Star Wars as well, which yeah, is what I really this, appreciate. There was this really cool music beat they used mm-hmm. in the last episode with these particular... Uh, the bad guys in the last episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like Daft Punk. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, yeah. What, what's that? What's that kind of music called? Um, Electronica, or you could say even synth. Um, synth, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's, yeah it's, which it's very I've unlike, seen, unlike Star Wars. I've never seen yeah, that yeah, in Star Wars before. Yeah. Which was a lot cool. of people described it as dubstep. Which dubstep, that's what I was going to use. It was yeah. bordering on dubstep, but definitely it was more EDM. No, it was like yeah. good dubstep. Since we're talking about season two, I'm guessing season one is not so much of a spoiler talk right now. There was a lot of that used during. Um, Moff Gideon's kind of scenes whenever he, towards the end of season one, when he'd be very kind of, uh, you know, lord-like and kind of establish his power power balance, that music would come in every time the Stormtroopers took out the e blasters and were trying to, you know, show some dominance. So we kind of got a hint of that in season one. It stepped up in season two. So it's like you kind of take, take a step back and exactly as you said, Shravan, it's kind of like, well, was this music Star Wars? And he, he actually... It fits. It fits. It's like, yeah. okay, I guess this is Star Wars now. Yeah. <laughs> it, yes. it, was, it was different in a good way. All right. We'll give out ratings, I guess, and then we'll jump into spoilers. So for me, it's cognitive, obviously cognitive recalibration. If you haven't seen it, just just watch it. Mm-hmm. Even if you don't like Star Wars, just watch it. Give it a, give it a chance and you'll probably appreciate it. In it's some good sense. TV, yeah. There's Baby Yoda for all those uh, people that don't like Star Wars out there. <laughs> you can just watch him being cute and yeah. saying shit. The MVP. MVP, yeah. MVP, yeah. I feel like he's the selling point for all the people that don't like Star, Star Wars. Wars that- yeah. And he's probably in, in it a bit more in this one, right? Yeah. yeah. He does, he, he's yeah. got a... I think he's in it less this season than uh, last season. But he has he has more cute moments. No, nah, I think he had cuter moments last season. All right. Well, when he held that cup... That was cute. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the tea. Yeah, the tea. <laughs> I think it's 5 p.m. Time. I, I think yeah. they... Um, well, they're... No. Oh, we're going to spoil this, but yeah. I mean, I was going to say that, but we'll get to spoil this. That's true. That's you were going to say his that. name again, weren't you? Yeah. <laughs> Without getting into spoiler talk, I felt yeah. like, well, in terms of the technical, bringing Baby Yoda to life, the puppetry was actually pushed to the limits in this season. They actually tried doing more with that, which is great to see. That's like, I think everyone wanted more. It's good that they use practical effects of this because mm-hmm. it... Makes everything look more realistic, except for this one point where they don't, and doesn't look as <laughs> right. good. But, but overall, they tried to use practical effects to the mo- for the most part, and it looks good. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Are we giving our ratings as well? Yes, yes, definitely. Is you can do whatever uh, ratings you want. You can okay. do out of ten, out of oh, five. Okay, perfect. Yeah. yeah, straight out of the box. I, w- I will. I want to give it a perfect score, but I I do know that there are some some niggling things that they were trying to do right. Like you said, Darren, I do agree with you. They were trying to kind of bring in some characters seamlessly merge them in while still giving kind of a platform for future kind of parts. There was some other technical, small, like nitpicky stuff, but I'm, I'm going to give it a 9.5 out of 10. For me, it's, it's one of the most uh, wholesome and kind of, um, true experiences for Star Wars. It's, it doesn't get any more, you could say, closer to the real lore spirit and 
anthology of the series than uh, than this. I I'm going to give it an eight out of ten. There's a few things that for this season for this season yeah, for this yeah. season yeah. yeah yeah there's a few things that that I will discuss a bit later. Overall, I thought it was amazing, like really really strong. But yeah, looking back, uh, there are a few things that I would have would have enjoyed uh, to see a bit more, which I'll discuss soon. Yeah, I'd say um, eight out of ten sounds good as well. Even some of the episodes where I wasn't sure where it was going, they still managed to sort of captivate you as well and bring mm. good stories for you. Mm. All right, and you can give us your <laughs> rubbish rating now. <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> Finally, <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Actually. I didn't have a number in my head. Okay, um, no, it's good. It's good. All that's right. my rating. It's good. Good. <laughs> okay, but that's on a scale of. I don't know. You don't know what that What's scale is like. It's on any scale. Yeah. It could, could be the best that I could give. So who knows? Okay. We'll jump into spoiler talk. So obviously, if you haven't seen Mandalorian Season 2, go and watch it. Come back to this point in the episode and listen to our spoilers. You've been warned. We'll start. We'll go through each episode in order. Episode and we'll, by episode. Yeah. yeah and we'll talk good. about what happened in each one, any particular points we want to talk about, and then we'll go from there. So um, Episode 1. I guess I'll directed yeah. by John Favreau. Directed by John Favreau. Yeah. Written by John Favreau. Yeah. So it's chapter nine, The Marshal. Yeah. Since you're so keen, you can tell us what the story was in that episode. Are we going through the story? I thought we just like kind of briefly just high, go high, high level. Yeah, high right. level. yeah. There's a monster, yeah. Timothy, Timothy Oliphant, uh, Boba Fett suit, kill monster. Timothy Oliphant is not the monster. Just making that clear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sounds like sounds like a character yeah. from Lord of the Rings. Oliphants. <laughs> 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 um, kill the monster. Yeah, save it. It's it's the classic like this. This series is a lot of oh, they go to this small town. There's a monster. Mm. Mandalorian needs to kill it and for a favor, get get oh. more information yeah. or get get something out mm. of them. Yeah, yeah. But basically, Which all the episodes the is he meets someone. He needs yeah. information from them or something from them, and, and then they make yeah, they yeah. make him do something for the information. Yeah. That's the general gist of everything. All I'll say is it's got a. The whole series sort of has a Western feel, but this particular episode has a very Western, this is like a particular, yeah. Yeah. Western feel. Yeah. yeah, so this was an interesting episode. One of the standouts, I think, was just the communication with the sand people. Because um, they're sort of used as props in the, the old films. They're not really explored too much. But they sort of go into more about how they're a different civilization and how they're not necessarily just bad people who just kill everyone that they see, that they have their own agenda. And yeah, that, I think that was really done, um, done well in this episode. And yeah, we really like that. Yeah, look, it was satisfying seeing, obviously, with the whole Boba Fett's armor and everything. It was good to see Tamora Morrison at the end, um, especially with the whole Boba We didn't know it was him at that point, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was a big tease at the start, right? In season one, you get a glimpse. You could kind of tell it was him. No, no, I, I mean, like, when you see his armor for the first time, like, in the episode, and you're like, wait, that's not Boba Fett, he's too tall, and he takes the thing off, and it's actually Timothy the, the marshal. It's okay, actually, but at the end, end of the episode, at, you at see his back, right? He turns no, around, no, no, he, he turns around, he turns around, and then his face is all scarred, and then he walks yeah. off. Yeah. Ah, yeah. Yeah. So you see him, so that was really yeah. satisfying, because, yeah. like, in season one, you get a glimpse of his feet, and everyone's yeah. like, yeah. oh, is that him? And then this one... next the robot lady. Yeah, and then this one, you get, you see his armor, and you're like, is that actually him? And it's not, and it's, like, far out, and it's, like, finally... But you can tell it's not him. Because the armor is just like really really fitting, yeah. yeah. And it's really <laughs> it does like not fit him well, too tight. Him, it's which really is good, tight. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. really tight, and yeah, obviously, it just looks weird. I think it looks him. so weird on him, yeah. which I, I like that attention yeah. to detail because they could have made it look good on him. But uh, Tamara Morris is a very different size to Timothy <laughs> Oliphant. He's so like a foot just, shorter. <laughs> yeah, it would have made sense for it to fit on him. Longer, yeah, like yeah, wider. 
Well, he wasn't that wide. He's yeah. wider at this. He wasn't that wide in uh, yeah. um, the prequels. Yeah, that was the other. Oh, it did bring back like Knights of the Old Republic vibes, like killing a great dragon with explosives. That was very yeah. like, very like inspirational. I've got some. What was it? The egg or the? There was like a that that object they retrieved from the great dragon, like the gallbladder or something. Like hell? Yeah, that yeah. was directly from Knights of the Old Republic. And then they like, ate that it. Was a direct There's lots of uh, people eating weird shit in this series as well. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like a mud horn egg in the yeah. first season, or like eggs. Eggs, yeah, which we'll come to in a second. <laughs> I guess on, on that, there was a video game called Star Wars Bounty Hunter in 2002. Oh, I've, uh, I've yeah. seen footage of that game. Yeah. Yeah. GameCube, PS2, Xbox generation. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and apparently in that you also um, fight a. Uh, Great Dragon on Tatooine, so it's maybe referencing mm. that. Yeah. So, the, so the very first reference for the Great Dragon is in a New Hope. You see a right after C three PO and R two D two crash land on Tatooine. They're walking past this massive skeleton. That is the crate. That's the first ever kind of reference of Great ah, Dragon. Ah, yeah, yeah. That's right. So, um, it, this one in Mandalorian was something like ten times bigger <laughs> than that skeleton. Mm. So, uh, yeah, neat little references. But I, 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 I thought I'd talk a little bit about Boba Fett. He was one of those kind of characters that didn't get a lot of screen time in the original trilogy, but became notoriously famous. Mm. And if you actually look at him in the original trilogy, he does jackal. He does absolutely mm. jackal. Yep. And then yeah. he gets, and then he dies. And then he dies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much uh, like Captain Phasma in the new scene. <laughs> Worse of- than Captain Phasma. He, Worse. Like, he, get, yeah, he gets, he really- does nothing that proves that he's, um, he's, he's actually like, a bounty hunter. Or that a- he's good. Yeah. Yeah. Like he gets jabroni'd at the end by Luke. Like, yeah. No, not even by there. Luke. It's, um, it's Han Solo that hits, oh, sorry, Han. Yeah, yeah, hits him true. in the back with a lightsaber and then he flies into the, uh, Salak pit. The Salak, yeah. 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 And, and it's, um, it's funny how he became, like, he, he became famous purely due to the action figure. Like, right <laughs> after the movies came out, kids went nuts over the Boba Fett action figure. They, they were kind of playing with it. It got notorious from that, which is a really interesting connection. And it was only after that that, it, all these kind of theories and kind of fan stories started coming out about, well, what if he survived the Sarlacc pit? You know, what if he actually came out and, 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 uh, you know, was, was active and afterwards he was trying to seek revenge? That's when the extended stories of, you know, Boba Fett, uh, Dengar, two bounty hunters came out and it be- actually became legends. There was a novel written about Boba Fett surviving the Sarlacc pit, blowing it up with a thermal detonator, losing all his armor, but coming out like scarred and, and flesh. That was legends. That was completely written off canon. So now some of that is some of those elements exactly. Exactly. The thing about the thing about Star Wars is that the legends, the series, the books, the comics, whatever, all of them. There's so much shit written in those legends comics that there's nothing new that you can do in Star Wars. It's all written. Something. If you do something, it's like oh that that happened in legends in a varying varying degree. In a varying degree. Yeah. And and I think Dave Dave Filoni is one of the executive producers for this show and also advisor for this episode. If you've seen his other works, he's a real kind of fan of looking at that legend's law and bringing stuff from there. Mm. So it's really interesting to see the journey that has been made from this kind of phantom character to kind of a, a fan favorite. Everyone's been doing theories about how he's going to come back. There's tons of YouTube videos about how he can re- resurrect and finally seeing that in the flesh of Timura Morrison. That was one of the biggest kind of paybacks. So he was, yeah, for those who haven't seen the originals or who have made that connection, he was the actor for the clones in Attack of the Clones. And, yeah, Jango Fett requests to have a, a, a clone son of himself, which is um, basically Tamora Morrison age. So it worked out well, and that was a perfect end to the episode. And uh, mm. I, I think even just as I was talking about the the whole screen aspect ratio, they were playing with, like, changing up the whole 16 to 9 format. If you notice one scene, they just remove the black bars and zoom in the whole aspect. So the whole TV 
Yeah. It feels like an IMAX experience. Yeah. So the whole end battle sequence, I think it's not confirmed whether it was shot in IMAX, but it's in that ratio, that the IMAX ratio. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I noticed that as well because I was watching it on, on, on a monitor actually and I noticed the whole monitor was suddenly lit up. So yeah. 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 They did it really like yeah. slowly so you didn't yeah. kind of just felt like you were getting into more into the action. So mm-hmm. that's, yeah. yeah, I was watching it on my computer and then for that scene it showed up on my TV somehow. <laughs> no, it didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> And a bullshit story. <laughs> That's like Kathleen Kennedy's bullshit story. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, oh, a tiny, a tiny little nod that I, a little reference. Um, Timothy Oliphant's character rides a speeder bike that's powered by a pod, which is very, very, oh, very reminiscent of the one that Anakin raced in in Episode One. I think there's a hint that it is. Like it is when I went on Reddit and stuff, everyone was like, "It is the, it's the, it's, it's Anakin's pod." Most likely would be yeah. pod racing engine. Which is pretty cool. So it's an interesting reference they thought to put in there. There's a couple more references I've got. This is leading back to Star Wars New Hope. So apparently the Tusken Raiders travel in single file, leaving a set of single footprints. Yeah. Um, that's shown in this episode as well, oh, but that's what Obi-Wan says in, um, in New Hope. So that's a method of concealing their numbers. Another thing, so apparently Obi-Wan, he uses the same sound as the Crate Dragon in the New Hope to scare off the Tuscan Raiders. I, I don't remember this, but oh, apparently yeah. that's that's the sound he makes. I think this was before the George Lu- George Lucas edit. So the original, original. sound he made yeah. was a very kind of monstrous roar. Mm. I don't know why he changed it in the special edition, but it doesn't sound as scary. The second it sounds a bit more kind of like an alarm, like a vacuum or some some sort of sound coming through. It's weird. Yeah, like a, like a woo, like an actual like dude wailing in the sky. Whereas the original. Cut of, uh, of the sound was meant to be very monstrous. Yeah. So yes, okay. that's uh, it was meant to be that sound. I think they somehow found the archival sound of footage and used that. All right, that's that's all I had in terms of this episode. So episode no, two, episode two, chapter ten, the passenger, the passenger. Uh, by. Uh, okay, uh, it's, here we go. It's uh, all right. What's his name? Ant Man, dude. I'm, I'm forgetting. His, he did the last episode as well. What's the first letter of his name? P. P. Second letter. <laughs> okay. Yeah. okay, E. Is it? No, is it third letter? What's his, What's the start of his last name? R. No. <laughs> he directed our man, though. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, Payton Reed. Payton Reed, I knew yeah. it. Payton Reed, yeah. yeah. Uh, written by John Favreau again. This episode released on 6th of November. Can you cut out that previous part? And then <laughs> no, I'm leaving Payton Reed, that's the director of the second episode. Just replace it with that part. <laughs> This is completely unedited. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> they get the raw experience though. All right. So this is the episode with the frog lady. Frog lady. Uh, yeah. Eats uh, babies. Baby Yoda likes eating her babies. And um, It's funny that she doesn't. Babies. Does she not notice that like yeah. half, half of them, of them are gone? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think she laid so many she kind of doesn't, <laughs> doesn't <laughs> register that one is missing. But it's it's a very interesting episode. The fact that they they started the whole the whole stake was well, he was looking for other Mandalorians, and her husband has information. But to get to her husband, she has, he, they have to ferry her. And yeah, the kicker in the pants is no hyperspace because somehow that kills the the eggs, which I've never heard of. It's very much a filler episode. Hmm. Yeah, in, I didn't I didn't hate it. Though. I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. In in some, I think think um, Buddy also had the same sentiment. It's it's one of those episodes where if you just took it out, what are you missing? For me personally, though, there's a lot of kind of setting the tone and setting certain character traits and establishing the dynamic in this episode that happens. But we don't realize until later on why they were put in. I I think the that feeling of being marooned on a random planet in the middle of nowhere calls back to a lot of Rebels and Clone Wars episodes. 
of just the clones or um, Phoenix team, Phoenix team being marooned on a place. There are some references to the animated series in this one. So the, the crash land, they're trying to escape the two New Republic officers on the X-Wing and they finally get up into this ice planet and they fall down and they encounter a bunch of weird spider-like creatures. They, they do have a name. They have an official name. So these creatures are called the Krikna and they made an appearance in Rebels because they're, well, one of their home planets is Adalon and that's where the Rebels set base, but they encounter these weird creatures. So it was interesting seeing these kind of Appearances. Just on that, I've got a trivia fact on that, actually. It's good that you brought it up because apparently one of the executives that were involved in this, they confirmed that it wasn't actually those creatures because those creatures are meant to be blaster-proof and have six legs, apparently. Ah, So apparently they're... Got a rock basker. A lot of people did think it was that, but apparently they're not. It was confirmed that they're not. Yeah. Okay. But they they are... I think the design was very inspired because they have both... They have two eyes. They have the same kind of mouth tendrils, but I think the legs, yeah, they, they did look a little bit less, you could say, tentacly. So they didn't have as many limbs, but I thought it was actually inspired off of uh, Ralph McQuarrie's art for Empire Strikes Back, the knobby white spider, which he okay. drew. Um, that was the original source material for using that in Rebels, but I think they may have used the direct art for that in Mandalorian. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, it was um, inspired. Off. It was actually based off unused um, concept art from, from Empire nice. Strikes yep, Back. Yep, yep. Yeah, yeah. Redeemed himself. <laughs> Just in the nick of time. At, at least he did get painted red drunk. <laughs> so I mean, you can just cut out that last part. Yeah, cut out that last part. Basket, just say that last part you said again. <laughs> yeah, that's the Nobby White Spider. Yeah. Uh, Ralph McQuarrie's going to use the concept. The spiders, this was just me, but this was the first first of a couple of uh, references that reminded me of Harry Potter. Harry Potter, yeah. yeah. Aragog. So yeah. Aragog and uh, it, this episode reminded me of But that. Ron it... doesn't eat any of the spiders in uh, Harry Potter. <laughs> Baby, oh, yes. Baby oh, Yoda loves eating the spiders. Yes. I would have thought it would be like an alien reference because the eggs are yeah, very awesome. Yeah, yeah, very, yeah. yeah, yeah. It, it looks like creepy. alien eggs, actually. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, very creepy, yeah. yeah. Gave me the shivers. You didn't <laughs> like it, did you? Yeah. Just you don't weird. like horror no, stuff. Like, yeah. Not horror stuff, but the moment like Baby Yoda walked up to it and you see like the egg open up, I was just like, oh, God. Like, yeah. That's sad. But then he that eats makes... it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then he eats it. I was just like, oh. he loves eating everything. He just eats anything, right? He just eats whatever. He has a taste for the unborn. It just makes you wonder what he eats. Jesus Christ, Jesus. dude. It looks such That's a dark, dark turn. That is so dark. <laughs> Bring it, bringing it right back to the fold. This is why Master Yoda Love became a teacher. <laughs> that actually, right, the moment before in that when the frog lady's got her eggs out in the pool and baby Yoda's trying to get some of the eggs, that's the first time you hear Luke Goranson's theme for the baby, like the proper theme that establishes it throughout. And you, you hear it again in the finale, but it's the first time you actually hear that kind of full of wonder, kind of childlike theme that's full of like very starry and sci-fi. But for baby Yoda. For baby Yoda, yeah. yeah it's a beautiful theme. And, yeah. and then if you listen to the track, it transitions perfectly into like the spiders waking up. And it's mm. just very, very kind of ominous and, yeah, just shivering. So one question, you know how um, guys in the X-Wing, what, what are they? The, um, the New Republic. The Rebellion yeah. pilots. Yeah. So they turn up and they save them, right? Yeah. But also, they- one of those guys is, uh, I don't know if you guys said Kim's Convenience. Yeah. He's the dad in Kim's Convenience. And the other yeah. one's Dave Filoni, right? Yeah. 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 So yeah. Paul, Paul Sun-Hyung yeah. and, uh, and Dave Filoni makes yeah. his uh, cameo yeah. in this one. So they, they save them, but then they just leave them. Did they expect them to just like fix the ship by themselves or like? I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> so the idea, the idea was they were in the in the beginning scene when they they hail him before they even crash land. It's that whole to and fro of 
you could be a, you could be an imperial vessel. Could be, yeah. yeah. Uh, we're gonna have to need you to pass that tag. And he's like, I don't want to because in season one he was involved in breaking up, breaking out of prison, right? In that uh, yeah. whole New Republic uh, prison. So he knew he was gonna get caught, and they actually were basically gonna arrest him. They on the verge of destroying his ship. So I think this whole end scene was like, well, we're not gonna destroy you. We just saved your ass, but we're not gonna, we're not yeah. gonna help you either. Because it's like Batman at the end of uh, Batman Begins, he's like, "I don't have to kill you, but I don't but have, I have to save you." <laughs> yeah, oh, it's yeah. exactly it's exactly that. that. Christopher yeah. Nolan going on here. <laughs> it was interesting seeing Dave Filoni because this is his longest and most kind of clearest cameo he's ever done in Star Wars, in my in my opinion. And he went. He's an he's if you guys didn't know, he's like a rabid fan of wolves. Like he just. Puts as many that, that's his spirit animal, and he tries to incorporate that into every show he does. And his name in this one was Wolf. If mm-hmm. you look at the subtitles, <laughs> that was his, his call sign. So yeah, it's it's a full fan service. I think, a, I think his full name is Trapper Wolf, but they call him Wolf. Yeah, what yeah. a name! <laughs> <laughs> <Pedo> name. <laughs> yeah, I, I got one more sort of trivia. Apparently, this was not the first time you see the passenger, the the frog lady. She was in an episode in season one, the chapter five, the gunslinger. Currently, she was uh, sitting in Moss Eisley Cantina. Oh, okay. oh interesting. Yeah, She's been waiting for a long time for that lift, hey? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, I loved all the dogfighting, space travel, uh, it, sorry, flight travel kind of stuff they showed. It was really well done. There's oh, a yeah. reference to like the trench run as well when they went into that little ravine. No running through it. Jesus, like, no. I think when the spider started to demolish the ship. And like, like its own hook, like speed the ship. I think they were trying to signal the mortality of the ship because I think at that point you could tell the ship. I don't think the ship's going to last the season, yeah. which is what they were. The ship goes hinting. through some shit, doesn't it? And then, like oh, yeah. at the end of the episode, you yeah. could see, okay, the ship is. I don't know what's going to happen to the ship, but they either get it repaired really well or something happens. So yeah, it's sort of foreshadowing. Well, they do end up getting it slightly repaired and then repaired pretty well, and then mm. oh shit, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just yeah. gets wasted. All right. Episode 3, Chapter 11. This is the heiress, directed by... Is this the Rick Fumiaga one? No. Uh, and that's not his name. Anyway. <laughs> just kidding. Something like that. Uh, we have editing software, so I... <laughs> no, I can't remember. Deborah Chow? No, she doesn't direct one. No, one, I can't remember this <laughs> it's one. Your, it's your favourite. Is this... Um, it's my favourite. Yeah. The redhead, the lady with the redhead. Um, oh, it's Bryce Dallas Howard. Did she do another one in this one? Yeah, Bryce Dallas Howard. Yeah, yeah. What was this one about again? Is this the one with the uh, with the Bo-Katan? Yes. Yeah, Correct. okay. This is yeah. when they arrive at this kind of water... Yeah, they land on this fishing boat, fishing dock planet, and they meet, like, Quarrens and Mon Calamari all on the surface, uh, essentially just to deliver the eggs to the husband, and, uh, yeah, they meet the Bo-Katan and her... This is another one of these, uh, I've got information for you, but do something for me first episodes. Yeah. Don't they end up with pirates or something? There's, like, the part with pirates, how they... The dad, basically, the husband of the passenger. Oh, yeah, and then they leads keep... leads Mandalorian to these people who he thinks knows the Mandalorians. Yeah, and yeah. then they end up just being Mandalorian trappers. And they um, kick uh, Baby Yoda into this like in, into, into this like pit to sort of yeah, yeah. Uh, into this like I don't know. What, it's like what, a what, well. What, like they like go a, out to the ocean and they kick him yeah. into this thing. It's like, <laughs> like a kraken kind of creature in the sea. And yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's stored in the in 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 the stowing compartment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Should, yeah. yeah. Trapping it, Dinjar falls right in like, to try and save Baby Yoda, and they just trap him. The whole idea was to basically yeah kill, kill him, him, get his armor. 
Luckily, the other Mandalorians turned up. But they, they seem right. They seem on there. When they first arrived, yeah. so you see Cosca Reeves, Sasha Banks' character, kind of just with a hood, observing them land, just then fading into the darkness. Like, <laughs> And then later on, they show up in their full armor, and they go, uh, yeah, they kick us, completely obliterate these Korans and uh, rescue rescue the Mandalorian and bring him out. Good and then that's the introduction of Bo-Katan to the series. And you also find out in this episode that she's looking for the Darksaber. Mm. Correct. Yeah. Yes. Which okay. she has at one point in uh, Clone Wars. I haven't seen it, but in Clone Wars. I think yep. she has it at one point. Yeah. Yep. Correct. Yeah. So this is weaving a very long thread back from Clone Wars, going through Rebels, and then now finally through the other end of the original trilogy. So um, mm. I think we'll, we'll definitely have a chance to talk about the origins and, and where that leads up to here. Yeah. It's also, you're also Jinjarin, like... Pedro Pascal's character gets, like, the first revelation that not all Mandalorians are like him with the helmet, like, with best being part of the watch. Like, Correct. Which yes. he was completely unaware of. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think yeah. he... Um, which, I think that, that means that he was never... He's, he's never been to Mandalore. He's always ra- been raised on the Outer Rim where the watch was. He's never, like, been in contact with other Mandalorians because that was a shock to him. We, so cool. we don't yet know if he has or has not been to Mandalore. All, we, all that we know is that he was never made aware of... Other houses, other clans. He was, no, just, he was raised in that It's only one. the Watch that does that. Every other Mandalorian that was raised normally or, like, not through the Watch remove the helmet. So if you go to Mandalore, it's not only the Watch over overlooking Mandalore at the moment. So there, there are... So here's, here's the thing about Mandalore. There's so many different houses and... So houses are the top level and the yeah. clans are ones that align themselves with the houses. Yeah, subdivision. There are quite a lot of clans and quite a lot of houses and they all... They're not all on Mandalore. So Mandalore is the is not just the planet, it's the system. So Concordia, all the other moons, there's some other kind of planets that technically are close to Mandalore. My thinking is that there are different houses that could have been part of either so for example, there's a there was one house called Death Watch. And that was actually where Bo Katan came from in the Clone Wars. That was her house. That lineage of Death Watch was directly from like Vizsla, which is one of the original Mandalorian yeah, knights Vizsla, or whatnot. Yeah. So I, I I'm thinking yeah, he didn't know about other houses, obviously. Uh, I don't think he knows his history. There's a chance he could have been to Mandalore. We don't really know. But like you said, this is the first time he gets... He, that, that's when the worlds collide. He finally understands. He meets he meets other people. And like in the next second, he's like, well, these people are calling him a religious zealot for never taking off his mask. Mm. So it's like, there's only one way, the way of Mandalore, and he flies off. Like. <laughs> they follow him anyway. But, so is Mandalore like destroyed? Or is it the planet doesn't exist anymore? It exists, but it's basically... Uninhabited. What what's suggested is so what when you see it in Clone Wars, Mandalore is mostly desolate, dry wasteland, except for its capital city of Sundari, which is like encaptured in this massive dome, like one of those like environmental shielding domes. And inside the city it's still thriving. Like Wakanda. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So it's it's um it suggests and it was suggested that once upon a time Mandalore had trees and, you know, rivers and everything. But due to environmental effects and war and con- continuous war, it got destroyed. But the planet, when I say destroyed, the planet's still there. There's still, technically there should still be a city and multiple different cities around the planet, but it's desolate. It's, it was glassed by different factions. And it's it's hinted that after the Empire takes occupation, um, after the events of the original trilogy, that it's uninhabitable. So we don't actually know what the situation of Mandalore or Concordia or the moons surrounding it or what it's like we just uh yeah we just know that it's 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 not in a good place to be right now so what what happens at the end of this episode again so he so it's it's like an imperial uh not a starship something smaller than that 
An Imperial ship. Mm, yeah. <laughs> um, an Imperial yeah. cruiser, I think. It cruiser. Was. Yeah. yeah. It's got some weapons on it and um Pokatan just wants it. So they storm the ship and then they end up well, yeah, Bokatan wants the ship, but then the Mandalorian has to crash it in the end. Bokatan's pretty incessant on finding out where Moth Gideon is. Yep, yep. Yeah. Which she um, asks some mm. dude at the end, but yep. he doesn't know. Yeah. yeah. I think she asks where where is Moth Gideon? Oh, Where's the Darth Saber or something? Nah, she, she says, says, where's Moff Gideon? Yeah. yeah. She yeah. says, does Why, he still have does it? Does he still have it? Yeah. And then yeah. the guy's like, I think you know the answer to that or yeah. something. Yeah. 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 I thought that scene was done really well. I liked what, how like the Imperial guy was like trying to crash the ship before they could get to the cargo. Yeah. I was like, that shows the will of some of those officers. Like, and it kills really, the other two guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like yeah. very suicidal. Like, they they yeah. really know how to cast really good Imperial captains in this. Like every Imperial captain or, or general or person in command of a ship has been cast perfectly. From, even in the sequel, mm-hmm. Last Jedi, the dude who was in charge of that massive Imperial Star Destroyer. I don't know how they cast these guys. They just, they nail them every single time. Mm. It's always like a Caucasian, like old white guy with like slightly silver hair. Yes. <laughs> with a British accent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the description of the character. Yeah. <laughs> and we Racist. see the captain is actually one of the actors in, uh, I forgot his name, but he, he was one of the dwarves in uh, The Hobbit. I think it was uh, Ori or Nori, one of those two. Yeah, he's a, he's a well-known Irish yes. actor, but I can't, yeah, I can't remember his name off my head. Just got a couple of trivia on this episode. So Bryce Dallas Howard, who was the director, there's a scene in this where the Razor Crest is re-entering into Trask, and apparently that was a tribute to Apollo 13, which was directed by her father, Ron Howard. Oh, wow. Cool. Yeah. Katie Sackloff. So she's returned. I think she's the only one that's actually playing a character that she voiced in live action as well. Yeah. I think so. Yes. Yeah. So she voiced the original character in Clone Wars and Rebels, and yeah, so she's yeah. she's met it back. I think she's the only one. Before we move on, I might talk quickly about the dark saber where it was last we saw it. Yeah. So the last time we saw the dark saber, it was in the hands of Bo-Katan, Actually, so in Rebels, it was given to her. Yeah. Rebels takes place right before the original trilogy. Something happened in the original original trilogy, and now she's after it again. Mm. So that kind of sets up a hint. Well, what happened? Did she lose it? Was it taken from her? I think it suggested that it was taken from her. And uh, for those who've watched The Clone Wars, the idea is that Darksaber changes hands through f- uh, combat to the death, basically. So it, it, the first time we ever see like it, it's the in the hands. Elder Wand. Like the Elder Wand, yes. It's, it's a, uh, yeah. It was kind of funny seeing, like, Bokutan <coughs> calling Din Djarin a bit of a religious zealot for not taking off his mask. Then it's like, well, yeah, this, this, Dark Saber passes hands through combat, so that's the only way you can be taken by it. Does also, it not like but work? also, didn't she get give, You just told me it got given to her okay, in, yeah. in, so, Re- in Rebels. So. so here's what happened. Clone Wars, it was uh, the first time you see it. Pre Vizsla, leader of Death Watch, wields the Dark Saber, which brings it out and says, this was taken from the Jedi Temple thousands of years ago. My people have reclaimed it. Symbol of power. He uses it to cause all kinds of destruction. He eventually gets massacred by Maul, Darth Maul, in the Clone Wars. Darth Maul takes control of the Darksaber. We don't see it again until uh, Rebels, where Darth Maul makes a reappearance, and it's in a cave on Dathomir, which is Darth Maul's home planet. Now, one of the Mandalorian characters in Rebels picks this up when she finds it in the cave. She just picks it up because it's been abandoned. And uh, this is Sabine, Sabine Wren of Clan Wren. She picks up the Darksaber, trains with it, actually learns to use it, eventually realizes she's not destined to lead the Mandalorian, so she gives it to Bo-Katan. Because she she's yeah. the rightful ruler. That's the, therefore the episode's name. So, so technically, Bo-Katan should have killed Sabine to take the dark saber. Then it's this is where the rules are a little bit muddy because Sabine didn't acquire the dark saber through combat because she found it after it was abandoned. 
Bo-Katan was more willing to take it. So Dave Filoni's comments on this were, Sabine didn't have to fight to get it, so Bogotan accepted it without having to fight her. That's the way we see her last. Now she's really kind of looking looking for it and just kind of desperate to get it back. So I, a lot of theories are that maybe she tried to rule. The idea is that the person with the Darksaber has the right to rule Mandalore. Mm. Maybe she tried to rule Mandalore with the Darksaber. People called her a pretender because she didn't win it through combat. And, and her, her rule yeah. was challenged and somehow she lost it through actual combat to Moff Gideon or someone in the Empire. Yeah, yeah. And now she's so determined to get it back in the right way that it's kind of her driving force in this okay. episode. Yeah. Another question. So Darksaber, say if someone drops it and someone picks it up and they start using it, it'll still work, right? It's not like it's not oh, going to... Yeah, yeah. So, so no, it's, it's, it's not, it's not a... Yeah. No, it's, it's more of like a... Symbolic. A pro- yeah, yeah, symbolic. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, just a, it's just a lightsaber. It's yeah. a lightsaber that was made by the first Mandalorian Jedi. Yeah. So it's Thomas not like Lander. you have to earn it for it to work for you. It's yeah, yeah. Like, so it, yeah. in this regard, it is yeah. not like the older one. Yes. It's, yeah. it's power is absolute regardless. The story behind it or the power to, that gives you to rule the country is different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it was it was created by Tarvisla Tar Tar in the Old Republic, but yeah. the first Mandalorian Jedi Knight. And was taken, was, was taken by the Jedi. And uh, there's a, like the neat little animation in Rebels that explains this. Jedi reclaimed it, but it wasn't actually theirs. Tarvisla made this out of Beskar. So the Mandalorians fought the Jedi, took over the blade, and that ever since that point, it became a symbol of power. So it's more like an honor thing. Like, you have yeah. to sort of gain yes, the, exactly. the right to, to wield it. Yeah. Yeah. I guess in a way, it's more powerful as a symbol than it is as a weapon. Exactly. Yeah. Just one thing. I think this turned me off from Bo-Katan's character. The fact that she just changes the deal that she had with Mandel in the last minute. And then she just mm-hmm. says, she, like, arbitrarily, this is the way the man, like, no, it's not. Yeah, like, you since, can't just like, say that every time. Like, <laughs> that's not justification for just, like, <laughs> yeah. like, reneging your, your bargain with someone and then just saying, now nah, I'm changing the deal. This you have to way. do this for us now. Then I'll give you the information. Like, no, no, no. When, mean, when did she change the deal? So the first, the, the first deal was to, what was it? To help, help them get onto the ship or to help them. I think to stop the ship. To stop oh, no, the ship. Actually, help yeah. them take the ship because they're going to use yeah. the ship to retake Mandalore. Yeah. And then, no, no, no. The first bargain was to get the weapons. And then she decides to get the ship. Yeah. And then that's when yeah. she changes the bargain. And, and then she says, now nah, I want the ship. And then Jaren says, like, yeah. oh, wait, no, that wasn't part of the bargain. I hoped you give me the information. And then she says, no, I want the ship. You're going to help me. And then, and then um, like, otherwise, like, yeah. and then yeah. that just, from then on, I just hated her character. There's nothing <laughs> she could do that could redeem her. I just hated her from then on. This is, this is consistent with her character, though. So her character in The Clone Wars, she's previously's right-hand woman in Death Watch. They are a reckless group of terrorists in Clone Wars. They kill, they maim, they do whatever, they, they justify the means for the end, right? So her character in that goes through a little bit of an evolution where she stops being a selfish prick and actually starts caring about the, her people. Her character in this is surprisingly consistent. She's still a bit of a dick. She's still right. a bit of a brash kind of ruler who doesn't know what, what how she gonna, she's going to get there. So I think they were, they were trying to get that across. If they made her a purely just character, that yeah. wouldn't have, that would be like, oh, what happened to her? You know? That's too much. Yeah. Fair enough. Episode four, chapter twelve, the siege. Who's the who's the director of? I accidentally wrote it off your sheet, but I knew it as well. I knew it. Sure, it was sure. Carl Weathers. Yeah, yeah I knew Carl it. Weathers. Yeah, Carl Weathers. Yeah, yeah. who's um who's also in this episode? Features yeah. in this episode. So what was this one? This is the one where surprise, surprise, he needs to go somewhere to get something. Yeah, and then he needs and to help someone to, to get, get something it. else. Yeah. yeah, so he goes back to get his ship fixed, doesn't he? Yeah, that's the reason. Yeah, he goes. Yeah, yeah and then well, he like, tries to he tries to get Baby Yoda to help him, right? And then Yoda's oh, in yeah, that tunnel. Put yeah, the blue the wire in the red wire. <laughs> the red wire. The blue wire was. And it gets electric. It's very. Uh, it's very Groot. Yeah, Baby Groot. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, so he goes to get his shit fixed, and the Carl Weathers is like, hey, while well, you're getting your shit fixed, go help us do this shit. And baby Yoda goes to school. Yeah. And eats, yeah, blue, and eats blue macaroons. <laughs> yeah. And macaroons? Macaro- I think they're macaroons. Yeah, macaroons. Yeah, yeah. 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 That was yeah. really cool seeing that school yeah. environment. It was like, well, you, know, you never really see kids that much in Star Wars, uh, unless they're being massacred. So it's like... <laughs> or, <laughs> eaten. or eaten. <laughs> or eaten, yeah. <laughs> it, was nice. it was nice seeing them, yeah, you know, in a... In a cool school environment, you know, just learning about the New Republic and whatnot. And there's like a. I wonder why they sit Baby Yoda. In the, like, he's a baby, right? Yeah, but he's yeah. 54 years old. Yeah. This dude's getting old. Like. <laughs> so, what? Is this like mental capacity like 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 eight or something? Or like, how does that so work? So, if you look at uh, Master Yoda, was 900 years old at the time of Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. Uh, and he spoke backwards too. He obviously never got a proper education. <laughs> Probably a good thing they're putting Baby Yoda on this. <laughs> Yeah, like the way I thought of it was maybe divide the age by 10 or 15 and you get baby Yoda's age as being actually around five or three years old. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's like maybe like kindergarten. That, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. he can't understand speech. Oh, he can he sort of, He yeah. can't talk. He can't talk. Yeah. Oh, he can recognize his name when it's called. Yeah, true. Yeah. 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 He can't yeah. talk though. So he's, I mean, human age is probably like less than two. But from, from what we learn in uh, the, literally the next episode, it's it's hinted that maybe he actually did learn more than we think. Or was Next instructed episode. more than we think. Yeah. More than we know. We got sidetracked a bit there. So yeah. <laughs> after that. Th- oh, yeah. You leave him at school and yeah. then uh, they go on this mission to. Yeah. They just destroy this Imperial base. That's basically mm-hmm. it. Yeah. But they get some new, they get some new information from that, uh, the base, right? About, it's a testing center. Not oh, a, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 They, they find out they're yeah. like cloning or that they use Baby Yoda's blood for something. So this is where you actually the kind of the curtains open as to why they needed Baby Yoda in the first place. The uh, the Doctor and the original Imperial kind of general were yeah were, were looking to do some weird experiments, which was like, still kind of vague in this episode. They weren't really detailed, but it, mm. it, they used they said the word M count, which yeah. is uh, metachlorine metachlorine count, like right back to Menace. back to Menace. Yes. Yeah. So uh, they definitely were doing some weird black magic fuckery. <laughs> he mentions, the, the scientist mentions that the hosts keep dying. So I think what they're trying to do, and I think it's implied, is that they're trying to create force-sensitive beings. Yeah. Or yeah. Yeah. they're trying to... pretty much. Yeah, yeah. or, or, the, or yeah. they're trying to find a way to imbibe force sensitivity in someone. Yeah. So I mm. think what Moff Gideon is trying to do is trying to make himself force-sensitive to then lead the new order, which is why he has the Darksaber and he's so obsessed with... Do you think yeah, it was Moff? For, do you think it was for him? Because I feel like if, they're, if they're doing like blood blood testing, they maybe were trying to breed entirely new organisms to create. Well, for maybe me, he was trying to perfect it. So that yeah, so when it gets to him, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. The reason I say it's for him is because the way he talks about the baby, like baby Yoda being the most important thing to him, I just don't see him doing that to create a Sith to then serve under. He like he seems the kind of guy to want to be able to do that himself. So that's what I think too. And uh, there's some really interesting implications this puts for the sequel trilogy and and, and what what was Snoke and how that related to Palpatine. Some interesting fan theories that this was the original kind of line of research that led to Snoke being one of the clones that was developed as part of Palpatine's grand plan. Because it turned out he was a, was a clone apparently. That could have started here. I kind of hope it doesn't though. I, I want this to be separate. I actually have yeah. a question. This is more just in general Star Wars lore. So did the Sith, like way, way down the line, did they some, did they create the Empire or did the Empire start and then the Sith decided to just tag along and help them out? Like how did they actually come together? I so I, I'm, I'm not sure about the Old Republic, but the first notion of the Sith, of the Empire was all from Palpatine. Okay. So he started the Empire. Right. 
it's a different thing when we get to the sequel trilogy 25 down. It's, it's called something else. Yeah. It's a new idea. But it wasn't a Sith idea by design. I think it was Palpatine's idea. It was his kind of machination of what he thought order and control would look like. So yeah. the idea of the Sith was never to actually, you know, create government. That, that's a very complicated process, the politics and government. Sith ideal was basically dominate the light side of the force, right? Spread the Sith teachings as far as you can build a Sith temple wherever you go. Like it was, it was very archaic, you know, old disciple And the rule of two prevented them from creating like a an academy for the Sith. Yeah. It was more so just leverage your rule over people. I guess you sort of saw it all anyway in Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, can we forgot about that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You can kind of see it, uh, especially in the Clone Wars, like mm-hmm. Darth Maul's influence over the uh, the crime syndicates. That was kind of the underground influence that the Sith had in the old Republic as well as the current age. So, yeah, the Empire is something very new and something that was much more mm-hmm. powerful than previous situations. Okay, and at the end of this episode, I think, well, there's that revelation that they're basically looking for Baby Yoda's blood again, right? Yeah. Uh, they need it again. So then the Mandalorian rushes back and then he kind of gets his ship and flies off, right? Um, yeah, because he's, he's afraid. Yeah. That, he yeah, jetpacks yeah. back. Yeah. But uh, what yeah, he doesn't realise is that the engineers who work to fix his ship have... Uh, put a tracker on it. Put like some sort of tracker. Yeah, yeah, yeah like yeah. a home beacon on inside, which, yeah, he doesn't yeah. realise. One other thing. So Kara Doom's character, I think it's the first time we sort of go into her origins and it's... Well, she says that she's from Alderaan, right? Yes, yes. That's correct. Yeah. Which was destroyed... In a New Hope. In New Hope? In New Hope. So nine yeah. years. So nine yeah. years ago. But before then, she was shock trooper for the rebellion. This happened. And I think from what she said in season one, she continued doing that, but then she eventually fell out, just went into freelance work as a mercenary, hunting down Imperials. Mm. One thing I found hilarious about this was Paul Sunhume's character comes up and goes, you're from Alderaan. Did you lose anyone? I'm like... Her planet was blown. She lost everything. How could you ask that question? Did you, did you lose anyone? It's like saying, oh, you're on the dual station of the Death Star. Did you, did you lose any comrades? Like, dude, everyone was on that planet when it blew up. Wait. Well, they're not lost. They're just dead. She knows where they are. Yeah, they're one with the Force. I could have sworn, like... Yeah, no, that, that was a bit of an interesting moment for me. I'm like, come on, yeah, he's got to have known. He was a pilot for the New Republic. He would have been there for like the whole Battle of Yavin. And stuff. He probably did know, and he just wanted to ask that just for the kids. Like, hey, did you just, just rub salt in the wound. <laughs> Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. 
For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. We're in the second half of the season now, so Episode 5, this is chapter 13, The Jedi. The Jedi. Who was this directed by? Uh, this was Dave Filoni. Dave. It yeah. was, yeah, and it was also written by him. So this was when things started to get really interesting for me because it mm-hmm. started to bring back. This is the first time we, one of the first times we've seen Jedi, like an actual Jedi in this series? Correct. Yeah. The first time. Yeah, first time, yeah. yeah. And a popular character from Clone Wars. Well, I, I guess you could yeah. argue that she's no longer a Jedi, but yeah. 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 We yeah. get what you mean there. But a much, a very long awaited character appearance. One that's mm. been, I think, hyped, rumored, and then finally confirmed through the casting of. So one. she's, yeah. Going back, so she's not a Jedi because she. Yeah. You watch the Clone Wars and you yeah. find out why. We actually forgot to mention in episode three that Bo-Katan does mention to find Ahsoka Tano on yes, the planet. Yeah, yeah. That, that's the thread that, that's that, the thread that is yeah, yeah. She mentions so, the planet, I'm guessing. She does, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. she mentions the planet. So yeah. in Clone Wars, like you'll, you'll see it. Do you want me to tell yeah, you that? Is yeah, that fine? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So what happens is basically she gets framed for the bombing of the Jedi Temple by one of her close friends. And she ends up being persecuted by the Jedi Council and like chased and stuff. And she's, she's trying to plead her innocence, but they're constantly trying to like, like half of them are convinced that she's the one who did it. Mace Windu, especially, he's like pushing it a lot. And even Anakin can't really stop them from pursuing and like convicting her of that act. And eventually you find out it's not her. It's like one of her friends that framed her, yeah. but she becomes very disillusioned with the way that everything was handled. And she eventually like that leads to her renouncing the Jedi order yeah. and then leaving not on like, Bad terms where she becomes a Sith, but she just leaves and she's no longer considered like a Jedi or she no longer but considers herself. But she's still like a force. Yeah. But she's still, yeah. she was still raised in the Jedi temple, but it was that experience of, yeah, not, not having the back of the Jedi who she grew up with. Like Anakin was the only one who really kind of vouched for her uh, right until the end. He even actually found the person responsible, brought her in chains kind of and said, she's innocent. This is the real person. And the Jedi council immediately like, well, like the way they reacted to this was, Oh, sorry, Ahsoka. Uh, I guess this was your great test. This was your test for becoming a Jedi Knight. And Mace Windu was like, the Force works in mysterious ways. And Ahsoka's just like, bitch, please. <laughs> you bastard. This whole time, you never gave me the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. And this is, it was a, it was a big, uh, moment of hypocrisy. Cause like the Jedi, when they look at Padawans, they can read their mind. They can tell what they're thinking. They interrogate them to get them to the order, right? So it's like, they know what they're thinking. Mm. And they couldn't tell that she was telling the truth. They, so was Yoda involved in all this? Yoda was observing the whole process. He was very neutral. He was like, well, the evidence is this. Ahsoka, can you vouch that you are innocent? They all wanted a trial, basically. Ahsoka didn't want to be part of a trial. Like, she wanted to plead her innocence. Even Anakin at the start was like, let's do the trial. We'll get you innocent. And she didn't want to do that at all. Because it was just, like, pure persecution on her. There was So, so in that episode, there's one moment where she's accused of the crime, not yet guilty. Right? There's still a process to be followed. She gets imprisoned, just... As a, like a bail type of thing, just in case. Someone breaks open the main entry of the prison, takes out all the guards, leaves the keys right in front of the door for Ahsoka to find. And 
Ahsoka being taught by Anakin has always got that rebellious side or always challenge the rules, always challenge the status quo, follow your own kind of path. So she escapes, even though she's innocent. And that is the final act that kind of convinces everyone. That episode also is the introduction of Governor Tarkin, which eventually becomes Moff Tarkin in A New Hope. And he's a, his character is very much like a prosecutor for the case, saying this is, well, if she was innocent, why did she run? If she was innocent, why did she escape and kill all those guards? I was like, I didn't kill any guards. And so it, it basically leads, the writing was really well done to kind of lead us down the track to say, she's innocent, we know that. But the Jedi Council for them, this investigation, for them, instead of standing behind her, they kind of looked at the evidence and said, well, it doesn't look good. And Yoda was actually one of the characters who was like, this is really, the, the dark side of the force shrouds this whole thing. This is really not normal. But I think the whole process, like you said, at the end of the day, she was disillusioned. She, she I think walked she, away. I think she runs away because she's scared, mostly. Like, when no, the no, opportunity no. came... Eh? She wasn't She wasn't scared. No, no, you're talking about in the prison or the order? No, no, the prison. Oh, yeah, yeah. The prison. She the was prison, yeah. yeah. She's, like, afraid of what's going to happen, so she runs away at that point. And yeah. then, yeah, so she lives Jedi Order, and then in Rebels, when you see her again for the first time, she's got... No longer has the blue, but she's got the, like, yellow-orange kind of lightsabers, and it's meant to show that she's... She's not really a grey Jedi, that's a different thing, but she's like no longer a Jedi, she's just a force-sensitive user who uses lightsabers to fight. I think, I think they are the same, they're white, they're the same lightsaber she has. They're both white, I think. They're, they're, they're both, they're both yeah. white, yeah, but... Yeah. They're both white. In in Clone Wars... It was green, yeah. It's like, it's, I forgot what the colour was, but it's different, like she changes okay. the colour between Clone Wars and Rebels, and then in Rebels to yeah. and now, it's the same, basically. So her actual, if you, so when you watch the seventh season of Clone Wars, she actually loses those lightsabers altogether. Yeah. And she, the ones you see in Rebels are the ones that she's built yep. herself. And um, this, what yeah. color was her lightsaber? In in this, this episode, episode yeah. white. Yeah, it's like white. They're both. Yeah. yeah. So that referenced the style of the ones in Rebels. It, if you look at the ones in Rebels, the hilts are reminiscent of katanas, and in this one, they actually did bring that to fruition. Mm. And um, is one one short, one long? Yeah. So one, different lightsabers. Yeah. So, so but like one, the actual blade hilt or the blade, blade hilt is a blade, tanto, um, so it's a tanto blade. One is a short one. It's, okay, uh, it's like a reference. And like it's a reference okay. to actual samurai sword blades. Yeah. So one of them is actual a full size katana like sword. The other one's like a tanto blade, which is shorter. So she she yeah she dual wields and uh, and and we see a lot of that kind of Japanese samurai influence in this episode. I think we can speak more into Dave Filoni's direction choices, but it's mm. very very reminiscent of Akira Kurosawa's films. And I think this was this was the kind of episode for him that he just, yeah, he he really took it upon himself to bring everything he wanted to do in an episode, and bring it all in all into fruition. Even that setting, the forest-like setting, mm-hmm. was um, very reminiscent of those films. Yeah, yeah. Good your, your Jimbo, which is I think that was even set in a very similar setting, like a fortress in a forest. So this was like a frame. If you look at your Jimbo, watch that film, even frame for frame, he kind of wanted to replicate that same feeling of the lone warrior. Facing off against the mercenaries, so that was uh, yeah, that was really well done. I guess the most important thing in this episode is you do find out Baby Yoda's name, Grogu, mm-hmm. Grogu, and you find out about his backstory as well. This is when the, the I guess the season starts really unraveling from this point. You, yeah. you start uh, finding out a lot more about his background and what what the Mandalorian has to do next, and all of that as well. Um, there is one line she says at the very oh she says it in the middle, and then towards the end she says something similar as well. But she says. She senses much fear in Grogu, and that's something similar to what Yoda says to Anakin, mm. I think. Um, so I don't know if that means anything in the future, or we'll have to see, but yeah. possibly. This is really a, interesting. <clears throat> so when she read, when she sat there for like just hours on end reading through his thoughts, I think she determined that 
He actually found out his name. She also found out that Grogu was actually trained at the Jedi Temple uh, from infancy and was somehow brought out of the temple before Order 66. But I think he may have witnessed some of it. That's what may have given reason to his fear. I guess what, what happens at the end, they end up freeing the prisoners in this... What, what is this thing? Is it like a, it's like a little, just yeah. a little town. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I yeah. think it's, it's a township yeah. and under the control of the magistrate. Dictatorship of this yeah. one lady. Essentially being tortured, yeah. Mm. But yeah. it's it's a really good end scene because, like, the fight's really good. Mm. Oh, yeah. Amazing fight. And, and it sort of leads, like, as soon as that spear comes out, I was like, oh, this is setting up for his final battle with Moff Gideon with the Darksaber because it's Beskar steel. Oh, the magistrate's stuff. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah so that was sick. That was and, really and she good. even mentions it's a purer form of Beskar than normal. It's like a, it's extremely pure. And you can see right. the, the moment she kind of just strikes on the ground, it's got that resonance that comes out of it. Mm. And it just gives that like feeling of, wow, yeah. this is this is going to be some serious shit. Yeah. And then he like tests it out by tapping it on his own arm, like best girl and best girl, and then it has that ring. That's yeah, so cool. he knows. Yeah. Actually, even before this fight, when, when uh, Din Djarin first encounters Ahsoka in the forest, she comes out with a lightsaber and strikes Din. It's the first time you see that Beskar is actually resistant to lightsaber hit. Even, even uh, yeah. the ones that he got forged, quite resistant. Yes. His gauntlets were resistant. They didn't didn't go through at all. Which is a good setup towards the whole rest of the season. And then that reveal at the end of the episode where Ahsoka basically beats her and she's like, where's your master? Where's Grand Admiral Thrawn? Grand yes. Admiral Thrawn. Which I was, was not um, expecting that. Yeah, big shock. But, but once again, this is kind of like a back to a pilot to, to another yeah. series. Yeah. 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 Kind but of. I do yeah. reckon Thrawn's going to show up in The Mandalorian though. I don't think so. I think he'll show up in Damn Ahsoka's it. show. <laughs> because Ahsoka's doing her own TV show, so I think he'll be yeah, linked to that. So given that this was directed by Dave Filoni and he was he was like really, really closely involved, directly involved with Rebels. So Thrawn is obviously the last time we see him is introduced into the season three and four of Star Wars Rebels. Comes in, he's a character from Legends, for those who haven't known uh, the Timothy Zahn's original novels that followed uh, the original trilogy back in the 80s. So Thrawn comes back in Rebels, has a, quite a significant storyline. And of course, in, in, um, in Rebels, we are introduced to another Jedi character. So we're introduced to Kanan Jarrus, and he's the master. And we're introduced to Ezra Bridger, who is the kid, the, the apprentice. When she, when Ahsoka name dropped Thrawn, my first thought was, okay, if Thrawn's in this universe, Ezra's in this universe. At the end of Rebels, Ezra and Thrawn's fates are tied together. It's not really clear if they're alive or dead at the end. All we know is that their fates are tied. So we didn't know if they were still alive, if they were somewhere, they had disappeared, whatnot, whatever. So when she's, if she actually, if she, if she's implying that Thrawn is alive, it means that that's got heavy implications for this other character. I actually think he might appear in The Mandalorian, not in his own show, purely because the Ahsoka show has a lot of other things to focus on in terms of her own path. Her, her path and Thrawn's path in this one are kind of tied together. But, but I feel like she's got a lot more potential to move forward without having Thrawn as a, as an enemy. He's much more imperial. He's like an actual f- military force to be reckoned with. The way they said it is they're kind of setting up for like an Avengers like tie-in thing. Mm. All the, they have like four different, four or <laughs> five different shows and they want all of them to have a crossover event. Kind of like the CW shows actually. Do you know how they have yeah. those crossover events? Mm. Yeah. yeah. So Thrawn might be the crossover event. Possibly. Right. Yeah. 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 But I the- think he'll be in the, sh- I think his main arc will be in the Ahsoka show. Yeah. Well, was this the only sort of tie-in to another show? Well, were there any other sort of uh, so the Bo- Bo-Katan's got a show coming Bo-Katan yeah. um, um, Boba Fett 
Boba Fett's Boba got Fett, a show. Yeah, that's what. Timothy Oliphant's in a show with Cara Dune. Oh, so basically, all the characters really, like, in this okay, are okay. In, in their own show. Yeah, yeah. but the, the actual like purposeful tie-in was that one, the, the Thrawn one. Like the Marshal being there wasn't so much a tie-in as supposed to. He's just being a character they're going to use. But I guess they put his character in this so they could use so it something, him. something, yeah, yeah. something yeah. else. Yeah. Was, was Bo-Katan getting her own show? I don't that, the Rangers of the Old Republic or something? Yeah, I think yeah. it sounded like that. Yeah. Because yeah. I, yeah. I feel that would follow like the Rogue Squadron of the New Republic. I, I think Bo-Katan is getting her own one. I don't know which one it is. Maybe not. Maybe she would be tied into Mandalorian season It would make three. sense for yeah. him, like Mandalorian because yeah. yeah. her fights to reclaim Mandalore. Yeah. I would think yeah. she might actually stick to Mandalorian. Mandal- maybe Mandalorian season yeah. three. And yeah. the Darksaber still is... Um... Well, I guess we'll get to that later. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. Still it's, it's still, yeah, we don't find out where it is at the end of this. Okay, so Ahsoka basically tells Mandalorian and Baby Yoda to go to this other planet where he can communicate with other Jedi or something, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. That's, that's what happens. And then next episode, so chapter 14, The Tragedy. This is directed by... Robert Rodriguez. Yep. This is when we find out a bit more. Well, firstly, it's an introduction of Boba Fett, like formally an introduction of Boba Fett. And a lot of stuff happens in this episode, actually. Firstly, Grogu starts communicating thing on the rock. I don't know exactly what it does, but obviously he communicates. He's doing the thing. He's yeah. doing the thing. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, he gets, communicates yeah. with someone. Yeah. We find out later. He's trying else. to find where the yeah. frog lady is so he can eat more eggs. Because <laughs> <laughs> so he, he was really not happy leaving them as well. He's like, I want to stay. Uber Eats. He was pissed. Galactic Uber Eats. <laughs> Jesus Christ, man. Uber Eats on babies. <laughs> <laughs> Baby Eats. <laughs> Just come to the green frog lady. It's like someone's ordered your babies, man. I've got to take It's practically caviar, so... <laughs> but Boba Fett basically turns up because he knows that the Mandarin has his armor, pretty mm. much the one they got from Cobb Van. Actually, well, we just see the Slave One coming in. Slave One, that's his ship, yeah. Yeah, the ship just comes in. That was mm. Dad's ship, and I think all everyone, the viewers know who it is. But Din Djarin's like, "Who the hell is this?" Mm. Yeah, he doesn't know. Yeah. He doesn't know, and yeah, Boba Fett just comes right out. And uh, there's some pretty brutal. Um, action in this episode yeah. mm. when he does um firstly when before he gets the armor on he's got this the stick or whatever he uses right the, yeah, yeah that's yeah. the uh, it's it's the gaddafi stick or the gaffy yeah. stick yeah. which is what the tuscan raiders wielded when they knocked luke down from the speeder in a new hope and it's that yeah. weird club-like shape mm. thing and it's apparently it's an actual real life native fijian war club which is meant to not punch holes in skulls with the full force of the weight. So you actually see... I think he certainly did that. With punching in punching holes in Stormtrooper armor, yeah. like just absolutely obliterating their armor left, right, and center. Not just their heads, like everything. Yeah, very violent. Oh, gosh. Very good. <laughs> Tamura Morrison still stills has got it. He can fight like anything else. He's got a pot, He's got a nice belly. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Nice does. center of gravity. And who's his like sidekick? Uh, what's her name? She's in the first season. Yeah. What's, the what's gunslinger. She's oh, uh, yes, yes. The um, lady with the uh, the guts. She's got the uh, the robotic the robot inside. guts. Yeah, yeah. Boba Fett apparently healed her and uh, gave her some cybernetics to deal with the damage. But Let's she was called the Imperial... robot gut lady. <laughs> she's the Imperial sharpshooter. Yeah. Fennec Shan. Fennec Shan. Shan. Yes. Who Fennec plays it? Ming Na. Ming Na. Ming Na Wen. Yeah. Ming Na Wen. Yeah. obviously knows who this is. Yeah. Oh, like can you name one other thing that she she's was in? She's in Agents of Shield. Uh, yeah. Other than Agents yeah. of Shield, what else was she in, though? I have no idea. <laughs> I've only seen her in Agents Mandalorian. <laughs> she was this, the yeah. um, original voice of Milan in the animated movie. Oh, oh damn! Yeah. Oh, on oh that, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, that Mingna. Yeah, China is actually. <laughs> So that, it was a no. different big China is actually remaking their own Mulan. It's hilarious. 
Oh, oh that yeah. is that is interesting. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, moving on. Star Wars. <laughs> uh, was she also the main leader in uh, Altered Carbon of the the humans, the human rebellion? No, that's no, that the second case. No, no, different person. One one interesting thing about this episode is that this, it's actually the first time they use a location from a video game series. So that whole temple stone pillar thing, mm. straight out of Knights of the Old Republic. Yeah, mm. good setting. Yeah, it was very good setting. Like, I I don't know what weird. it was. It looked like it was some sort of like a force resonance beacon thing where you just put some force user in the middle and yeah, he he went straight into meditation. Yeah, if yeah. you well, notice, initially you try, like nothing happens, right? But then. Yeah. He goes down and he comes back up and he's in that full minute. Yeah, if you actually yeah. notice when, when Din Djarin's walking around that place, you see like little blue butterflies flying around. It mm. kind of like is like living forces really concentrated in this area. It kind of gives that hint. So yeah, he's in full Zen mode and there's a force field preventing, you know, the Mandalorian from pulling the baby out once they're under attack from the Imperials. So it's, uh, yeah, interesting to see. And this is the first we see of the, um, is it Dark Troop? Is that Dark Troop? Yeah. So the, um, the mechanical, uh, non-human stormtroopers that are, have jetpacks, very strong from the look of it in this episode. Yes, they don't do much though. They fly down, pick them up, and fly up. Like yeah. pretty much, yeah, yeah, yeah. not yeah. very, not very menacing. So if he yeah. was still in that meditation state, would they have been able to grab him? Because probably he, not. He tries any time. Probably, oh, probably not. Yeah, probably not. Yeah, yeah. Probably yeah. Probably yeah. Not. It's just convenient that he gets tired right at just then. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, just yeah. there. Yeah. But yeah, in, in the Good meantime, time. while they're doing that, Boba Fett is fighting all these guys. Din Djarin takes over, tries to fight them back. Boba gets his Beskar armor back from the ship. The thing I, the, the thing I just don't... before it gets blown up. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. And the thing it would have survived though, right? Because it's Beskar. Yeah, yeah. would have. Yeah. yeah. And the thing I don't get is why does he always leave his door open? Like, mm. why, why can't he just close his door? Mm. <laughs> <He's> just... <laughs> it's because he needs a quick getaway. If he needs yeah. to run yeah. away quickly, he always has it open. And he's but... very trusting of his neighbors. <laughs> 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 He comes from Mandalore. It's a very peaceful planet. A very planet. peaceful planet. No crime. Yeah. <laughs> that as well. Why does he leave his jetpack on the floor? He just yeah. takes his jetpack off, and that's why he couldn't get a bit to... Um, that yeah, was a, yeah. was a bit yeah. of a plot point, that like, one. Exactly. I'm he like, takes why off his take it off so he couldn't yeah. get there? Yeah. yeah. Like, that doesn't impede in his combat. That's actually useful for him. That actually helps him. Mm. Like, what... That 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 just didn't make sense in terms of what a Mandalorian would do in that situation. But that was... Really the, only, the only thing I can think of is... Uh, the jetpack is quite heavy. The only reason he take it off is to improve his agility. Right? No, no, he takes it off because Boba says to take it off because he doesn't want him flying away. I he has him at gunpoint. Yeah, he has Fennec has him at gunpoint, and he's like, "If you want to do a deal, if you want to talk, first take your jetpack off." And he takes ah, it okay. off. There's a reason. Yeah. Oh, the story point was that he it, it would have been better off. if he put it back on. She actually the dark said, troopers. "Take your jocks off," but he took her jetpack. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Was a, yeah. There's an alternate version the where, alternate where, version. where, he, where yeah. she says jetpack and he it's takes his job. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I saw a, it last night. It's yeah. not on Disney Plus. It's on another platform. <laughs> it's on another Plus platform. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, so it would have been cooler if you put the jetpack back on, chased the dark troopers up, and then got into a fight with one of them and didn't. Yeah, yeah. Like that would have been a bit more to set up because yeah. it's already established that they're like pretty strong yeah. in like the later episodes. So it would have made sense if mm. you couldn't fight. Them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think the focus on this one was just bringing Boba Fett back in the full glory of the suit, the weapons mm. and systems, and you just see him completely destroying. Apparently, shooting someone while you're not looking at them is a new, like, sign that, you know, yeah, yeah, they're proficient in gunfighting. And we and see the, him finally use his bloody rocket, um, launcher. rocket launcher on his rocket jet launcher. Launcher. Yes. after so Shoots long. down one of the uh, convoys, and then he's like, I was aiming for the other one, <laughs> <laughs> which is a direct callback to a Western film, one of the old school Westerns, yeah. uh, in that same shot where, like, the main gunslinger tells the apprentice like oh yeah I was aiming for the other guy and it's like 
He shoots two guys off well, the horse. It worked out well for him because he hit that one and the other one. It landed on him, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just yeah. cascaded crash. Anything else on this? Then a tragic uh, loss on I guess the you, Crest. Yes, and you find out that Boba Fett is, I guess, is a pretty honourable guy because, mm. you know, he he agrees to help help find Baby Yoda again and help mm. find Grogu again. Yeah, so, it's the first yeah. time you see mm. some sense of, like, honour system or honour code. Yeah. Unlike it's, Bo-Katan. <laughs> it's... Um, <laughs> It's. It feels like a different character to the guy in the original trilogy, to be honest. Yeah. Like, it could be a different bloke, yeah. Do you reckon... I, I thought in the original trilogy, he had a contract with the Empire, and he was going to fulfill it no matter what. Well, yeah, he's a bounty hunter. But also, he only has, like, ten minutes of screen time, so what can mm. we pull yeah. off of a character that has ten minutes of screen time? He's yeah, also yeah, in the yeah. Star Wars Holiday Special. <laughs> yes. In, in the, the cartoon. He's in the cartoon. He's yes. not in the uh, actual thing. Which is yeah. also where you see the pulse rifle, Mando's pulse rifle for the first time. Is yeah. Special. Yeah. Bring it out for the special. No, no, but to address your question, Bargov, about the whole, um, loyalty, the, the bounty hunter's loyalty is like wherever, whoever's paying them. Yeah, but he's still special. working for Jabba. Like, remember in the, at the end of, uh, A New Hope when Han, at the middle of A New Hope when Han first sees Jabba and he's like, I'll get your money back. You see Boba there, right? Yeah. So he's obviously working for Jabba. And yeah. then at the end of five, he, he, he's working for the Empire to get Han back to Jabba. So it's obviously like, he's doing a lot of effort to fulfill that one contract. True. But, so but it's not me, like he's, it's not like he's Imperial. It's, he's just, he's, he's being paid exactly, by the yeah, Empire. So exactly. that's why he's loyal. But, but to be he's, fair, he's doing it. He's fulfilling the contract. This is also another Mandalorian. And he obviously has some sense of code because he honors the fact that his father has the armor. Therefore, it rightfully should belong to him. And also, I think, I feel like maybe, maybe not, but like coming out of a Salic pit might have mellowed him out a bit. Might have taken out some of that disloyal instinct, but who knows? Possibly, yeah. Because someone else started to value his life a bit more, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because I think, given that he's using, he uses the Gaddafi stick. It's kind of hinted that that's a Tuscan Raider weapon, Mm -hmm. right? It's hinted maybe Tuscan Raiders helped Helped him out, helped get him back on his feet. So you know, the goodwill of others Mm -hmm. brings out the goodwill in him. And we learned that Boba Fett is technically a Mandalorian, which was kind of retconned out. After the original trilogy, they thought oh, in the prequels he was like, okay, he's a clone. Jango Fett is just a bounty hunter and Boba Fett was a clone. Somehow they came across the Mandalorian armor. But now it's re-retconned to say that Jango Fett was actually a foundling who was trained in the ways of Mandalore and has Mandalorian Beskar armor. And because of Boba Fett's a son, he's technically Mandalorian by foundling Creed. So we can get to this without time for this episode, but... They also meant they mentioned that he's a Mandalorian that episode, but then afterwards it gets contested that he's not a Mandalorian, and it gets it gets brought back back and forth a few times. So doesn't like, he say okay. that he he's not like he's, he said he never said that he was a Mandalorian? I think I think that's what he said. I think yeah. it was the yeah. implication, but then yeah. someone refuted it, and then it was. It was I think Bo Katan says something, right? Bo Katan says that you're not you're not a Mandalorian purely yeah. purely because of the voice, because she recognizes the voice. That voice is the voice of all clones. So yeah, the moment she you're a clone, it, not a Mandalorian. Yeah, yeah. So. But she doesn't understand. But if she applied the whole constant reasoning of that being a Mandalorian is not a blood thing, it's creed, mm. and she realizes anyone can be a Mandalorian if they're inducted as a founder. Mm. So that she's kind of forgetting that she's saying no, you're just a clone. Like she, yeah, she kind of forgets her own so, yeah. technical teaching. Is it at the end of this episode that the Mandalorian gives a warning to Moth? No, nah, it's at the end of the next, the next episode. episode. Yeah, yeah. But in so, this one, he he. Starts getting help, right? So this Boba Fett joins. Nah, the start. Yeah, Boba Fett joins, and then the start. The next episode, he goes. Uh, he gets Bill Burr. Yeah, and then they oh, go yeah. try and find. Um, <laughs> basically, he basically is he Bill gets, Burr. He just, gets it's Bill just, Burr. In, yeah. it's just Bill Burr in the yeah. Star Wars universe. Mayfeld, but it's Bill Burr. <laughs> and they goes to try and find um, Moff Gideon's location. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One one interesting thing was when when at the end of the episode of the tragedy when 
Boba Fett's chasing this ship back or the dark trooper's back and he kind of comes through the clouds and he sees the Jedi cruiser, the, the TIE fighters, and he's like, the Empire's back. And it's like, I don't know how, but they're back. That's You get kind of get the first real feeling of, wow, this, this Empire was not all destroyed mm. during the mm-hmm. events of Battle of Endor. There were still so many remnants that Jedi cruisers were something of bef- like the era of before the Empire. Somehow now they're using that hardware. So they, they are pretty damn resourceful, these people. I think we can go to chapter uh, mm. episode seven now. So chapter fifteen, the believer, directed by Bilbert. No, it's not. It's uh, <laughs> uh, is this Favreau or Filoni? No. Nah. Oh, Rick Fumiaga. Yeah, so it's yeah. Um, Fumi Famuyima. Oh, it's close yeah, enough. Rick Famuyima. <laughs> <says, yeah. laughs> I'm pretty sure he's not. He's not Japanese. Nah, he's, no, um, he's African American. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah. cancel. Yeah. He's still a racist. <laughs> <laughs> so we briefly sort of mentioned what happens in this episode. Anything in particular we want to talk about? I think I thought it was a good episode. You see, you see Pedro Pascal for the first time this season. Also, what what a stupid machine that you just need, it needs to scan a face. Doesn't matter whose face it is. Yeah, it just needs yeah. to that scan no any sense. face. Yeah. Any face. Yeah. Any face. Yeah. This was there back in the Imperial uh, kind of mess. I think that the reasoning for that is that the entrance point will have the actual security ID kind of checking unless you're a driver. And then this is just like a terminal. Yeah. Like, but like a, why, is it, stop why is it just any face, though? It's to stop droids from hacking in, right? And, like, downloading a ton of data at once. But like, yeah, but then again, what like, did you just have imperial faces? Like, literally. Yeah. Because like, obviously security flaws in this. Cause yeah. <laughs> the information I'm looking for. But I, don't, I didn't... I think everyone looked at this like some sort of secure terminal. It wasn't a secure terminal. It was just like a... Pub, it's like the machines in front of malls where you press to find directions. One of those yeah. things. But why does it need to scan your face? <laughs> unless, unless they assume there's no one stupid enough to sneak you into a base, so they just they don't need to encrypt it to anyone, any particular one. But then that is a security flaw. It's also probably because it's sense. like not just scan, take a photo. It's like when you go to a club at a night and they want to take your photo, so they've got a record of who attends oh, on like what input, night. So it's like thing. who attends. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Then again, I guess it would work for a droid too. So Anyway, yeah. that's that's a that's a bit of a plot hole. Yeah. That's like yeah, right in the middle of the episode when they, when they try and so yeah, they, they employ Miggs Mayfield, they get him out of Bill prison. Yep. Yeah, uh, that was yeah. a cool scene. This is yeah. a cool scene seeing him there. That's a cool scene. I actually I love Bill that Burr scene in this episode where they are where they're sitting talking to Joe Chill. That's a uh, yeah, it's a good scene. Yeah, yeah. Even even before then on the on the drive into the place before shit goes down, they have to you know evade that whole talk about like so yeah, Din Djarin has to. to Get up in Stormtrooper, get up. Otherwise, he's not going to get through this. And he ends up doing it. And then, you know, Mix Mayfield kind of asks him, well, you know, ev- everyone everyone has their limits. And even, you know, you said at one point you can't take off your armor, but now you did. So is it that you can't take off your armor or you can't show your face because they're two separate things? That's a really interesting point. It's like there's a, there's always someone that you're willing to fight for to actually cross your, your your you could say, your... Cross your, cross your lines or your boundaries. Cross your lines or your yeah. boundaries, exactly. Yeah. exactly. And, and he is, this episode is partly... I don't know if the believer was meant to be referencing Dinjarin or it was meant to be referencing Migs Mayfield, but did a good job in kind of showing him inside so of, of, of Dinjarin. Like captain of the Empire, he's the believer. He's the one who gets shot in the face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think he believes that he did the wrong thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good shot in the... Wait, does he get shot in the face? I think it's like the chest. I thought he was going to do the whole hands yeah, under the table. Yeah, under the table. table. Yeah, yeah. yeah, no. no just, like, he, he genuinely, talks about, he genuinely yeah. talks about the Empire as if it's rising again. No, he, he, not just that, but it's a, it's, a, it's a direct reference to Operation Cinder, which, yeah. which was one of the most brutal operations in, in you know, Empire's history. 
was in just, Fallen Order. Yeah, it's uh, it was in Battlefront Two. Battlefront Two, sorry, not Fallen Order. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, just a quick background. It's basically an initiative after Palpatine's death. It was a post-posthumous initiative by him to stamp out any idea of rebellion or defiance in the galaxy by targeting random Imperial strongholds and rebel strongholds indiscriminately and kind of frying them with intense radiation from satellites just to create weather abnormalities like lightning storms, thunder, way like tsunamis to wipe out entire populations over like a week just to create fear so people would fall back onto the Empire for order. And this, there was no planet that was spared in this Operation Cinder. Like, uh, they had like 15 targets and one of them was Vados, which is like an imperial planet. The cities were all like raising imperial kids, putting through academy. They were all loyal as hell. That was targeted for Operation Cinder just to create fear so that they would love the Empire more. And, uh, Burning Cons is what Mink's made for references is one of the other planets. Thousands of people died just in, in a couple of days. Uh, and he was, yeah, he was obviously very impacted by that. You could, I think Bill Burr did a magnificent job of just conveying that kind of trauma and, and just the horror of witnessing that coming here and hearing this guy say like, oh, they all died as heroes. Like, no, you massacred them. Like, did they though? Did they really? Did they really like, you know, want to be, he- felt like a bit of a Thor moment in Ragnarok. <laughs> <laughs> and Mando is just like, don't do it. Just yeah, don't. Just, like, don't. just don't. It's yeah. like, I've never it been this space without my helmet. <laughs> An interesting thing that I heard um, someone else tell me, when Mando is with his helmet on, he still moves his whole body when mm. he's looking side to side because he's so used to having the helmet on mm. that he doesn't actually know how to move without his helmet off. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Like, he does like a Batman kind of, yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, like yeah. His shoulders to move. It's good. You're right, actually. That's interesting. The action scene was cool afterwards as well when they're escaping. Yeah, and yeah. Like it's good Fennec action. And, and, um, and even the previous, like when they're coming into the actual facility with the mm. new pirates and very you know, sick. Was, yeah, yeah. And, and his armor's not impervious anymore. So he's like, you can see it breaking yeah. off as he's like, like, If he yeah. did have that Beskar armor, he would 100% be dead yeah. by now. <laughs> yeah. He just goes in and takes shots, man. He doesn't give a shit. Yeah, he doesn't give a shit. He goes in, he runs into corridors into open fire. One against 11. And he just doesn't care about the odds anymore. Yeah. But now he has to like actually remember those odds and the odds. And, and it's funny you said pirates attacking the ship because they're actually the natives of the planet. Yeah, it's not yeah. pirates. And, they and it's say the it's time, pirates, but, but it's, it's the first not time pirates. you kind of yeah. see that from the Imperials' point of view, where they they're just here to mine Rhydonium. Who are these pirates? Attacking? It's like these natives are trying to save their planet. Yeah, and, and Mando and Mito but the thing is, like they're shoot. not trying to mine the. They're not trying to mine it. They're just trying to blow it up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're yeah, not yeah. trying so, to yeah. steal it. Yeah. Yeah, so the Empire is trying to mine it, and these yeah. guys are trying to prevent that from happening. Yeah, so, but a pirate would steal the steal the thing to take yeah. it back. They're mm-hmm. just trying to blow it up yeah. to kill. That's got to be yeah. the worst pirate I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> there are the really bad pirates, or <laughs> yeah. but you have her. <laughs> and and it's also when they come into the facility, like all the stormtroopers salute, and you kind of you kind of see that perspective of them being relative heroes in the Empire for a second. Miggs mm. Mayfield obviously has mixed feelings of that coming down later, but yeah, that that was a beautiful little character arc, and uh, I think yeah, Bilbo just knocked it out of the park with that one. Very well done. I guess the only thing I'll say about this episode is you really realise how much um, Mando cares about Grogu. Mm. So uh, enough to take off his helmet. And yeah. when you see his face as well, you see that he's like actually deeply concerned and he wants to sort of really get Baby yeah. Yoda back. So um, mm. I think that was that, that used uh, Pedro Pascal's acting for the, oh, for the first yeah, time. And I liked, yeah, it, yeah. I liked how he didn't just take off his helmet immediately. He tried to scan it with the helmet yeah, on. Yeah, and then he's like, there's no choice. There's We've no choice. It, like, he has to do this to save him. Yeah. And all, everything that Mix Mayfield said about, well, you know, if you're doing it for who you care about, then yeah. it's worth it. Takes it off and he stays. And even <laughs> Bill Burr, um, he sees him, obviously, but he's like, just pretend that I didn't see you. Like, none of this happened. Yeah, yeah. that was yeah. awesome. 
I didn't see anything, just put it back on. You had mm. to do it. And and that line at the very end of it, when Miggs Mayfield finally blows up the Rhydonium after like snapping it from the slave and he's like, We all gotta sleep at night. Yeah. Which really yeah, back to the beginning where he's like, you know, whatever you do, as long as you, you know, can sleep at night, then yeah. that's something that really means a lot. And then they obviously let him walk okay. free at the end as well. Yeah. <laughs> and the um the seismic charge scene when um, oh, they're yes. escaping from the thing and the two TIE fighters are behind him oh, yeah. and then drops a seismic charge and that science the moment he was flying up I'm like they're not going to do it they're Such not going to do this because like, it, it was mean oh, to Boba. him Boba yeah, yeah, yeah Boba yeah. Fett like in, in the original save on in Attack of the Clothes <laughs> I was like they're not doing it they're totally the moment the compartments opened I could just feel like the, everyone in the internet was just kind of cheering on and that whole it was Everything you want it to be, that whole sound. And it's good because they're not just like shitting on like the prequels. They're actually like, they're saying that like the prequels weren't bad. They just didn't do it in the right way. So there's things that, that were good that they're bringing into the Mandalorian, which I really liked. I think it says more about us as fans. Like, like we're craving for like something. Even in the prequels, when that happened, it was cool, but it wasn't like amazing, you know? But when it happened yeah. here, we were like, oh, they brought it back. That's yeah. so good. It's like, that's how desperate we've become. After that's, this. Yeah. that's how bad I, 7, 8, 9 yeah. were. <laughs> or 8, 9 were. Even yeah. before, so it was, it was a result of meme culture. Like just, Taking these concepts of <laughs> all, all these little funny moments from Attack of the Clothes, because mm. Attack of the Clothes wasn't the strongest film. It was one of the it was a it was a black sheep of the mm. original Lucas yeah. uh, Star Wars, right? So, I guess, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, in, in probably in hindsight now, it's it's still bad. Don't get me wrong, <laughs> yeah. it's still bad. But there's probably worse ones. Yeah, since yeah, then. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. No, that was a total eargasm, and I would yeah just rewind it to hear it again mm. all the time. Good choice of words. Moving on. Yes. Um, oh, but at the end of this episode is when he sends the message out. Yes, that's yes, right. that's the one. Yeah. Yeah. He goes all Liam Neeson on his ass. Yeah, yeah. So oh, yeah. Good. yeah. Completely. And it sort of mirrors what Moff says to him in season one. Yeah. Correct. It's yeah. like the exact same thing. Yes. But, yeah. but the, the, the sentence that made it for me was, what, what did he say? You, you, you don't know how much he means to me. Mm. That felt so much more powerful. Mm, exactly. You have no yeah. idea how. Because yeah. after he did what he did, now he realizes what's at stake and he's like, yeah. I'm ready to do it. This is basically a setup episode for, yeah. the, for the finale, but yeah. in itself, I thought it was actually a really good episode. It was a good, you're really yeah. good. Um, but let's talk about the shit that we want to talk about right. now. Yeah, we're finally here, the finale. So <laughs> finally here, episode eight, chapter sixteen, the rescue, directed by uh, earlier. Yeah, we told you his name. So no, you say as I said it the first time correctly, I'm going to say correctly on the first try <laughs> again. Peyton Reed, yeah. Yeah. Peyton Reed, big episode, obviously. So we'll we'll get into all the stuff at the end. But before that happens, basically, there they've devised this plan. One thing about his plan, it would have really helped if Boba Fett was on the ship, right? That could have helped him a bit. Yeah, he was yeah, missing yeah. from the action. I yeah. Think. Could have helped him. They, they, they wrote him to be in the air. Yeah, I think they, I, yeah. I understand why. They wrote him out of the scene. Yeah. Just I reckon it would have uh, definitely too many people helped him a bit. I think there would just be too many people to yeah. kind of deal with. Yeah. yeah. What would he have added, though, if you think about it? Because we, we saw that, that a Mandalorian is not necessarily going to be effective against a dead trooper. So, like, at that scene, you really need to cut all the fat. And, like, if you think about it, what would Boba Fett have added? Well, what was his purpose? What was the beginning of that episode? Didn't they try and get the Doctor? That's no. Right. Yeah. Yeah, the Doctor. Yeah, the Doctor. Yeah. And they even said the, the shit. Yeah. So, that's, that, that's where it was most useful, I felt. Right. Did, they, did they extract him alive? Yeah, yeah, he was alive. It was all a right. very cruel scene, actually. That guy, like, pointing the gun and, like, trying oh, to yeah, taunt. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, that was actually that was real scene. chilling. The fact and then that she shoots, like, she shoots mm, him, yeah. and I think she gets his ear as well. The doctor, yeah, I think she yeah. yeah. But, but yeah. that, that stormtrooper, where he was like, "Yeah, we 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 had to destroy Alderaan." It was, pilot. It was yeah. he was like saying, "We had to just we had to massacre all those billions of people." Mm. And at the same time, he's like, "You destroyed millions of people on the Death Star," and I'm like, "Yeah, millions died on the Death Star, billions died on Alderaan, and you did the first move." So 
It yeah. makes sense. But the way he was justifying that genocide was like, this guy's he, really He was like laughing at it, though. He was like taunting, like yeah, really actually, rubbing it in. And, and saying it to Cara Dune, who was from Alderaan. So he's like saying, you've lost all those people. It was needed. That was necessary. She just straight up wastes them. Like, Coming out to Boba Fett. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I see what you mean. Like, yeah. maybe might not have had it anybody, It would have been really cool to see I, him, like, kick ass. I just think, like, that. this is a situation where you probably need, need another bank. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Even if it was just flying around in yeah. case any support came, I think yeah. it would have made sense to have They could have get yeah. Tamara Morrison for the day. Yeah. <laughs> 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 he, had other, he had other commitments. <laughs> like, what? eating full, uh, full Macca's milk by himself. <laughs> <laughs> Supersized. What, what other stuff is he in? He was in Aquaman, right? Was he? Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was an Aquaman. And yeah. So, yeah, it was his dad. Anyway. Probably voicing for Battlefront Three. <laughs> yeah. And and he also voice voice uh, voice acted in uh, Republic Commandos, the video game, as the clones. That was actually Tomorrow Morrison's voice and Battlefront, the original Battlefront, Battlefront Two, two thousand five. Mm. Yeah. yeah, the five hundred first monologues. That was all Tomorrow Morrison's voice. Basically, there are two teams here. Well, there's a team, and then there's there's Mando, pretty yeah. much. So, um, yeah. so two teams. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, and then there is a confrontation between Mando and, which we talked about, well, we mentioned earlier. So Mando and Moff Gideon, mm-hmm. where he burns the Darksaber, mm-hmm. pretty much. But then there's, and that was. That was after the Dark Trooper encounter. That was after the Dark Trooper yeah. encounter. Yeah. So, yeah. The, so the, yeah. I think the initial plan was the infiltration team goes in, clears out all the stormtroopers. And while all that mess is done, Dinjarin just kind of infiltrates and goes in through. And the plan was, they know the Dark Troopers are going to be activated, but it takes something like two minutes for them to be fully loaded. By that time, Dinjarin's going to infiltrate, blow the airlock, flush him out. Now, he's a little bit late. One of them gets through the door before he's able to blow them out of the airlock. Comes through. The door's closed, preventing the other ones from coming through. Yeah, and it's a face-off. One, one thing I didn't mention is the previous episode is actually the first episode in the whole series where you don't see Grogu. So he actually uh, isn't yeah. featured in it at all. At all. Yeah. Yeah. He's just on the ship. When was the scene where you see Grogu um, messing around with those two stormtroopers? The, the finale. Previous. finale. Oh, was that the previous? I think that was... No, that no, was when the, they first catch him, right? In the tragedy. Yeah. No, that's in this no, episode. That's, that's, the, finale. Sure. that's, that's finale? the start of the finale. Yeah, pretty and sure he's it's like, this episode. he's like hitting everyone around and then... Moff Gideon puts cuffs on him. That was a really interesting scene because I think that showed that the potential. This episode, it's this episode. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was, it was as, as they were getting the Doctor. I think it cut back to... Right. Baby Yoda in that holding cell. Because mm. yeah. Moff Gideon walks down to his cell, hears the screams, and then it's just Yoda, like, it's just Baby Yoda messing up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. ragdolling and yeah. around. And I think it's all tired. He needs, he needs a nap. Mm. Yeah. yeah. But I was kind of sad seeing because he didn't, it, it just looked like he was in pain trying to inflict pain on others, you know? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, just it, I think that was the first time you start, start to see that Baby Yoda, Grogu, has potential to sort of feed into that sort of emotion, his, his negative emotions and sort of possibly go into the dark side. But I mean, not that extreme yet, but it was interesting. Uh, like, and then he's just like, bind him, bind him with those handcuffs. Yeah. And they shoot him, right? The, the stun gun. Stun, yeah. Yeah. yeah, the stun him. And I'm like, why do they have baby-sized handcuffs? Like, they must know that they're, they're probably adjustable. Point. They're probably no, no, no. The radius of them are locked, right? Yeah. And just fold them in. Wookie size. You have a fucking baby size. Like, you gotta know you're bad when you have baby size handcuffs. They're manufactured specifically for this purpose, obviously. Dude. It's like custom fitting his house. Off Gideon just has a range. He just walks into his room, he's got all these different size handcuffs. It would not be surprised. And then the face-off between Mando and, and Moff, which was a yep. good, good battle scene. Mm. Before we get there, so the Dark Trooper, right? Mm. He's facing off against the Dark Trooper. It's the first time you see the Dark Trooper in action in combat. And I think Mando gets absolutely, or close to being absolutely obliterated. You just see the Dark Trooper punching his helmet, 
into the wall repeatedly, and it, I think I was expecting it to give at one point. The helmet. But it, yeah, the helmet, but it doesn't. It actually blows the wall back in. And he ends up using everything in his arsenal. Literally everything. His flamethrower, whistling birds. His spear. His spear. Oh, no, that's towards the end. Sorry, that's towards that's the, the end. It, before then, he tries everything else, and, and he just can't do any damage. And then at the very, very end, Beskar spear hits to the vital points, finally takes it down. And yeah, you just see him kind of limping. And at that point, that's when he kind of flushes the airlock, then finds Moff Gideon. That scene is kind of funny, though, because the Doctor talks about how the Dark Troopers are, like, like perfected for, mm. like, the art of thing. And, like, the Dark Trooper that faces off with Mando doesn't take off his helmet. She keeps punching him. And it's like... It doesn't It doesn't go for any other... It, it, it doesn't register just, that, yeah. that you know, that it's Beskar, and it's not going to go or give, and that you could just, like, take the helmet off. Terra's limbs And then off. just do what you were doing before. That's the human element that they will adapt quicker, right? So, the yeah, kind yeah. of a perfect... But that's part. why it's funny. It's like... It's we, saying it was perfect. We removed the final flaw, and it's like... You know, you made <laughs> made it worse. So, I wonder what happened to this technology, because Force Awakens is after this, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. after it, yeah. But we do see kind of droids in Season 1, Republic-side droids, defending that prison, right? So, it, it's like in, in that episode where... Uh, the first episode where you see uh, Bill Burr and uh, Natalie Tanner and all of them take on the roles of the, that prison gang trying to break out their own uh, member from the... The rebel prison. prison. The and, rebel and, and you see security prison. droids working in that prison barge. Yeah, but we don't see dark troopers in The Force Awakens. True, like, true. But I like the whole idea of droids being used as some sort of military yeah. enforcement. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's the first time we see it on the dark side. There's yeah. droids. So there is a big reveal. Someone turns up. So let's set it up. So they're, they're basically in this... It's the control The, the right? cockpit. Yeah, yeah, the, the helmet. Yeah, the cockpit. Um, After Mando's defeated. And they've closed all the yeah. doors and all the dark troopers are sort of banging on doors that are eventually going to break through. And then this mysterious X-Wing flies in and you see a lightsaber basically destroying, a guy with a lightsaber destroying all the dark, dark troopers. So at that stage, I personally didn't think it was mm. who it was. Did you guys think it was? As soon as I saw the X-Wing, I knew who it was. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. When I saw the X-Wing, I was like... I was denying it until the very last moment because yeah. I was like, okay, are they really going to do it? And then... Yeah. I can see the glove, like, okay, are they really going to do it? And then the moment he takes off the hood, I'm like, okay, wow. This is I thought it was really well done until he takes off the hood. And I'm like, who the, the fuck did yeah. this animation? <laughs> <laughs> who the fuck did this yeah. CGI? This yeah. looks like Snapchat face app shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I have to echo, uh, I have to echo buddy here. I actually, given that I just came off watching Rebels and I heard Thrawn's draw, name was dropped in the previous, like previous couple of episodes, I actually thought it was Ezra, Ezra Bridger, because he has the same color lightsaber. He has the, the character seemed quite short stock compared to the Dark Troopers. Yeah. But that was just because the Dark Troopers were tall. I didn't really think it was who it was until the very last, until the mm. very moment where you see the lightsaber very clearly. And I'm like, I know whose lightsaber that is. Yeah. Have you seen Rebels? No. The Ezra's story? I no. Basically, no. it's like a Padawan Jedi and he goes missing at the end of Rebels and okay. Ahsoka searches for him. And yeah. yeah. Ahsoka and, and Sabine. But you and don't, Sabine, yeah. You don't see whatever happens. Yeah, so, you don't see what happens to So it. for me, a person, I, I was like kind of getting hyped up saying, is it Ezra? But then the, there's I one think, point where I think you... the thing was, if it was Ezra, it would have alienated... Majority of the audience. Uh, not majority, but like maybe half the audience yeah. wouldn't have known, and yeah. then it half of it... But there was yeah. a point where I knew yeah. it couldn't have been him. Yeah. The moment that hallway scene, there's only one Jedi powerful enough to do that. And the moment he crushed that final Dark Trooper droid with his arm, and you could see the glove, and I'm like, okay, this is not any yeah. normal... Like, that's a Vader Jedi. move. I think right? that, is a, that is a Skywalker yeah. move. Like, that is a typical Anakin... Thing yeah. to do. I think it would have been a, almost a better choice to go with Ezra, just because you wouldn't have had to do the CGI. CGI. You could have recast someone, and then yeah. they yeah. could have gone with Ezra, and it would just, be fun. Just, I mean, yeah. that's one way to look at it, but yeah. I think 
going back to what I said at the very start of the episode, the reason I like Mandalorian so much is because it isn't linked to the Skywalker family. It's not a Skywalker story. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but now they're just directly linked to just Luke Skywalker, um, which is, this is sort of the negative stuff I had about. Uh, it's, it was cool. No I doubt about it. was cool. It. No I doubt about yeah. it. It was like. The fight was sick. Yeah, yeah it was cool. And it was reminiscent of um, Darth the Vader. Rogue, the yeah. Rogue One fight. Yeah. 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 So yeah. all that was good, but. When you think about it, the reason Mandalorian is so was you know resonates with everyone. It's it's fresh. It's something different. Mm. It's something different from Star Wars universe. Yeah. Now they've just linked it back to everything that happens after this. I think it, if if they cast Sebastian Stan, then I would have liked it more. But yeah. it's just it's just the CGI was so bad that I couldn't. Yeah, like, it, it, it took you out of it. From the scene. Mm. Yeah. it took you out of it. It was yeah. surprising. Um, if you so my, my when I saw it was actually Luke come out. I was actually delighted. As an old time fan, because you're exactly what Sraven said, up until this point, it was its own thing. It was its own new universe. It didn't have any callbacks to the original trilogy. This whole time, you kind of fed little pieces of information, like there's New Republic X-Wings. That means that there is Rogue Squadron there out somewhere, which means this Luke is maybe still alive somewhere doing something active in this time. This is the first time you actually bridge that across. And I get why they did it now. And I think the reason why they did it was from the X-Wing coming in, it was that whole setup of in the passenger, you see two X-Wings around. So you know there's X-Wings in space. The initial people thought, oh, is this one of the New Republic Rangers? No, it's someone with a lightsaber. A single um, X-Wing. Single Who X-wing. else could it be? Right. And and so immediately a lot of fans were like, they knew it was Luke the moment they saw the X-Wing. And yeah. when they saw the green lightsaber, the other half were like, mm. I knew it. Then some people saw the black glove like, oh, it's got to be him. They just kind of hyped it up. This is a purely a it's, reference it's, for old for old it's fans. It's fan service. Yeah. It's fan yeah. service. Yeah. But there's good fan service it's and done well. bad fan it's done service. Well. Yeah. This is it's probably on the good side, but it's very teetering onto the bad side, I reckon. I enjoyed it. Mm. I, I did enjoy it. Look, I think, but, but I think it's, it's just I think the CGI. I think it's just the CGI that yeah. I really have. And I think I the that. implications yeah. going forward. Just because we know what happens to Luke after this, and we know what happens to you know his Padawans and all of that. Yeah, but yeah. I think they said they said that uh, Grogu like, doesn't get killed by Kylo, right? Well, yeah, they can't do that now after after yeah. setting yeah, up this exactly. character. They, they exactly. surely can't make him die in a fire yeah. or something. That, I, that, I, I, that, was, that was the yeah. first thoughts of many many people after yeah. watching you know the Last Jedi and what happened in there. Yeah. One one a uh, couple of things I'll say is I think the reason why they went with CGI. This is the first time you see Luke de-age, and I think in the history of this de-aging stuff, we see it in Rogue One with. Carrie Fisher's character model DH. We see it with uh, Governor Tarkin, who actually, uh, um, Peter Peter Cummings, the original actor, I think it was Peter I Cummings. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he actually he was not alive to reference at that point. I had to mm. purely recreate him with a stand actor and, uh, and CGI. I think they actually had Mark Hamill on set for this one. That was his voice. Yeah, they did it. They, if you, if he, you look at his hand, I, I read something. He. Uh... It was a stand-in, and he recorded the lines. He recorded the lines. He recorded the lines independently it's, somewhere uh, the, else. The reason yeah. why it made me believe it was Mark Hamill was because if you look at his hand in that scene, it's quite an old hand, and it it, it actually has the same profile as Mark Hamill's hand. Uh, no, nah, it's a stand-in. I'm sorry, it could be. Is, is that being confirmed? Because Mark Hamill's yeah. credit in that was not just the voice. It was, it was. I'm pretty sure he did come into the studio at one point. It's, it's confirmed that it was stand-in, I think. Also, the guy had a way different body shape to Mark Hamill. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. So the yeah. reason, I but he did, the he did the record the voice. The reason there was no facial mean, reference done as well. Th- there must have been facial reference done. Yeah, yeah, but it's just very bad facial reference. Yeah, yeah. Like that's yeah. the yeah. only thing I thought. Yeah. That yeah. It was probably the same as what they used in Rise of. You know, in that little bit in Rise of Skywalker where they show um, 
Luke yeah. training. Oh, Luke yeah. and Leo yeah. training. Oh, yeah. 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 yeah, so yeah. what I thought was there was obviously a body stand in for the stunt yeah. and for that final scene when he gets yeah. in. But he but did facial, yeah. Yeah, yeah so I think actually got, when they did yeah. the close-ups, it was actually Mark Hamill. Yes. Like, they yeah. used his face yeah, as yeah. a basic and then pasted it on the other guy's face. Correct. I don't think Mark yeah. Hamill was actually on, in, in that, in that costume no, 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 no. in I, the scene. What I'm saying is that thing. in that scene when you see him coming out, yeah. the full body shot was not Mark Hamill. But the close up shot when you see his face. Oh was yeah. Mark cause Hamill. it's, cause they use his face for yeah, the so he was on, yeah, so yeah. He was on set, yeah. but they didn't show the rest of his body. No, he wasn't on set. They just, they use his, the construction of his face to, and they use the dialogues he makes. To reconstruct it on the on that guy's face, okay. he wouldn't have been in the same room as all these other guys. All right. Not even put the close up here. Nah, mm. no okay. sense. It would have looked better if he was. 100%. Yeah, <laughs> that would have been better. I think it's just a time thing. They probably made this decision late in the game. But even like deep fakes done on YouTube look better. Look than better that. than that. Like, yeah, but it's it's a. It, I think someone's already done it. And it looks yeah, better. it looks so much yeah, better. better. That's the thing. It like, looked better except for the mouth. The mouth movements look very Okay, but yeah, yeah. this is a studio. They can fix that up. I think As so, opposed to yes. doing this, like, shoddy yeah. um, CGI. Yeah. The, but, yeah. These guys are, like, the best graphics artists yeah. in the world. So it's, it's they're not going to do a shit job literally. unless they don't have the time. I think it's a very Disney approach, like, to use a reference mm. material and to recreate it from the reference material as opposed to using yeah. algorithm. Yeah. But yeah. we've seen yeah. it done well before. So it's like you can do it well. In the Marvel movies, they do it well. Yeah, Samuel Jackson, yeah. they did yeah. it well. Like you can do this really Same. well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, was Disney. that was Disney. But yeah. I think it was just they didn't have the time to do it and they probably didn't have the same – like they didn't have Samuel – like they had Samuel Jackson on, on set, set yeah. doing all the facial mm-hmm. reconstruction. And maybe because so. of COVID and all that, they just couldn't yeah. do it. Yeah. So like they would have had to paste his face on the other guy's face yeah. and it, it makes it a lot harder. And also Mark yeah. Hamill – Looks a lot different to what he used to look like. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. the biggest challenge. Yeah. <laughs> the, the time passage, because yeah. this is, well, what, five years after Return of the Jedi? So yeah. he wouldn't have aged too much compared to his original character model in that film. Yeah. So, yeah, I absolutely understand te- the technical challenges. It's interesting to see the, the reaction between older fans and newer fans of the film. Like, I think newer fans didn't get the same hype. The older fans kind of just took the CGI as it was and just accepted it. Mm. Uh, and th- 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 like, I could see a lot of reactions online thinking, "Oh, yeah, it, it looks it's it's Mark Hamill, but it's it's different." Yeah, yeah. I think it just like, took me out of this. It was great. Yeah, but, no, but then it just takes you out of it, doesn't it? Because yeah. you're like, and then also Pedro Pascal put in a really good performance in that scene, mm. but you're still just thinking really, about yeah, you're still just thinking about Luke's face, and you're like, "Fuck, what, what mm. was that?" Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but Pedro Pascal does like a really good. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. There's a very yeah, really you know, heartfelt emotional. Yeah. Sequence there with um, him yeah. and uh, him was, and Grogu and how he you know shows his face yeah. and Grogu touches it's yeah that's a beautiful scene it's very, very subtle as well because he's someone who's not going to be used to showing his emotions but exactly. he has, he has yeah, to yeah. act as if he's someone who's like very repressed but yeah. is still having emotions mm-hmm. it's really well done yeah just coming back to Luke Skywalker just a little bit the the way they did him makes me think that he's not going to be part of another series or yeah, they're not going to yeah. bring him back that much yeah. Otherwise, they would have recast or made the CGI better. Yeah. Because yeah. they would have had to test it out before they could say, let's make a series out of this or let's do something else. So, question on that. So, yeah. if Mandalorian season three, will that be a season without Grogu? Yeah. So, it will just be Mandalorian. Yeah. I, I don't think Luke Skywalker will play a big part in any of this. Yeah. He does say that he'll see him again. He promises that he'll yeah, see him again. He, he, yeah. I'm not saying he yeah. won't see him again, but no, I don't think Luke Skywalker will play a big part in it. Grogu might come back, but Luke Skywalker... So something obviously happens then. There could be other yeah. better ones helping train to train Grogu as well. It might, might not just be Luke 
directly train all the time. It could be some like uh, other people, other people's helping out. I think Dave Filoni will want to direct an episode where Ahsoka meets Luke. Yeah. I think mm. that, that meeting has to happen at some point. Mm. Correct. If they do that, they bloody better recast him. And yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Hopefully Sebastian yeah. Stan so I, I reckon Luke will come back. That's 100% sure for me. Purely I, because... I think they would have done a better job on this if he was going to play a big part, though. Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure if they're going to do a live-action stand-in or if they're going to stick with the CGI and make it better. But what I do know is that in the story elements, he leaves at Grogu. He has his own Jedi Academy at this point from Legends. This is not confirmed. This is from Legends. He's back on Yavin and he's got his own school and whatnot. The events of Last Jedi happen much later down the track, like in, in Luke's middle age, you could say, when Ben Solo becomes of age. So we were talking about when Luke's still kind of setting up his own academy... In Return of the Jedi, Luke says something to Leia. He's like, I never knew my mother. I wish I'd known her. And that's when he's trying to tell Leia that she's his sister. Sorry for the spoiler, people. He's 30 years late. But the only person who actually knew Luke's mother, who's alive right now in the Star Wars universe, is Ahsoka. She knew Padme really well. And she's also the only other one who's known Luke, uh, sorry, Anakin even better. Mm. And I think for them to have that cathartic, because one thing, Luke never met his parents, doesn't know him. Uh, he needed meet and redeemed Anakin at the end. He brought him back. Yes. Ahsoka doesn't actually realize that Darth Vader was redeemed at the end of Return of the Jedi. The last thing you see in Rebels is she actually confronts Darth Vader, rips a bit of his mask off with lightsaber. Spoilers for Rebels. Spoilers for Rebels. Correct. Yes. If you haven't seen it by now. And there's a real heartbreaking confrontation where she kind of sees the Anakin through the mask. But Anakin says to her, you know, you have to die. That's the kind of destruction of her persona, of her master. That's it. It's it's gone. I can't redeem this person. He's gone to the dark side. That was her worst realization because she actually thought Anakin died in Order 66 because she couldn't feel his presence anymore at the end of Season 7. She leaves the rebels with that feeling of, well, that's what happened to my master. I can't do anything about it. Mm. That's what she's carrying with her in the, Jedi, in the episode of the Jedi when she actually tells um, Din and Grogu, I've seen what happens when someone has attachments and they're trained to become a Jedi. It's really bad. And she's still speaking about Anakin there. So she needs closure. I think Luke needs some connection or closure. I, it, it, wouldn't make, it wouldn't make any sense not to have them meet. There's so much potential for it. Even yeah, if it's like a passing thing. Yeah. What you're describing there is, uh, is pure fan service. It, it is, yeah. that, that is fan service to its core. It's like, I want to see these two characters meet because they have a, have a big pass together that could, could come together. I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't call it fan service so much as like uh, you could say loose ends. So there's yeah. there's two loose ends where only the only uh, those characters can complement and tie the ends through each other. But uh, it, it would they be don't need they don't was, need yeah. to meet. They don't like Ahsoka can go through thinking the same thing. Like, look, it would be I, I get what you're saying. It would yeah. be nice and. The only people that are saying that would be fans, and I know a lot of fans just like yourself would like to see it. I just don't think it's necessary, though. Mm. Like, I don't I think, think you need has... to revisit Luke's story. He's already got an end arc. He's he's and he's he's, he's had closure, right? He's, like, yeah, yeah, he's his arc's finished. Ahsoka's arc's obviously not finished yet, but they're going to explore that more in the show. It depends where they take that. So yeah, it depends yeah. where they take that. And, yeah. and it's interesting to say that yeah, his arc was concluded at the end of Last Jedi. I think with the f- the reactions that we're seeing now of Luke being brought back for the finale, the sheer joy and like the kind of vindication from fans who felt slighted from the sequel trilogy kind of feels vindicated in this in this finale. I t- and it's like, and I feel like Filoni and Favreau were part of the crew who 
even though they had real input in The Last Jedi and Return of Skywalker, they actually did have a lot of... Sorry, uh, Valoni had a lot of input. I feel like they wanted to show a side of, of Luke that we all wanted to see, that yeah. we didn't get to see. So part of the fan service was, yes, this episode was huge fan service. I really do think that might be a guiding force in, in that that I, direction. Yeah. yeah, I see what you mean, but I don't think the reception's as positive as you maybe might. I think it's positive, but I don't think it's positive like... I want to see more of this. Uh, give me more of Luke Skywalker. I think it's that was cool, and I'm happy to see Luke do action. But let's leave the Skywalkers for a bit and let's go back to other stuff. That's my personal feeling. But, yeah, um, I think I, I think it's about fifty-fifty yeah. that way. Yeah, Lots I of think people, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't call myself like a diehard Star Wars fan or anything. I just yeah. like to see new things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that's that's all. So that that that's yeah. the viewpoint I'm coming from. Yeah, I feel like so, for nine movies we sort of had folks in the Skywalker yeah. trilogy on the Skywalker saga, and I feel like they sort of tried to bring something else into it for the last movie, but they sort of failed with it. Yeah. But these guys are bringing new things into it and breathing fresh air into it. Which is why I'm I'm glad a they sort of brought Luke into it, but b I'm glad it was only for the f- like last like what it was like I think yeah. it was a good, but it was like five minutes in total. Yeah, yeah right? it wasn't not, like a whole part huge. of the season. Yeah. yeah, so like if they can keep it at that, and like if they need to maybe reference Luke in like season three because like Grogu's training with Luke, like they need to mention it at least. But if you don't have it, I'm not going to be. Uh, he doesn't need to be a main character in exactly. the show. Yeah, yeah he no, doesn't no, no. need. To, yeah, definitely not. Definitely yeah, not. yeah. it's more it's, it's Mando's yeah. show to the core, yeah. and yeah. if they shifted to like a, I mean, if they shifted to someone, anyone else, fans or not, not fans, the show's going to tank. Yeah, so exactly. They, they, so even if it is just a fan service, like yeah, they. they the have the to thing about all these shows is uh, all the episodes in this show. If you put a Jedi in there then the sh- episode ends in one minute because he's just going to wreck everyone. There's no stakes. Yeah. There's no stakes if you put a Jedi in there. He's unless, way too powerful. Unless you have an anti-Jedi, which is what the Mandalorian were. That's why yeah. the Mandalorian have armor resistant to lightsabers, which is why like, if it was anyone apart from Mando, they'd be like, be, the episode would be done, right? Yeah, but exactly. Yeah. Because you have Mando, you can have a Jedi, which is yeah. that gas counterbalance. But if you have Mando and a Jedi going up against random Imperial Working forces, together, yeah. It's, 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 it's just... It's done. It's, yeah, 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 yeah. There's no stakes and yeah. it's just stupid. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's going to be people that are happy then. Yeah. I think, it's a, I think it's a 50-50 split. Like some yeah. people feel how Vasca felt and some people feel how... I found it something. Yeah, I think I mean, yeah. from yeah. seeing the reaction, it seems like a split between down the middle of like, yeah, they're happy to see him, but they don't want it to be overdone, like you said. Definitely, I agree. Less is more in this case. Yeah. Because we have overexposure. Mm. One thing we haven't touched on yet is that whole interaction before Luke comes between Bo-Katan and, uh, and, and Amanda. Which Lee, might be what they revisit in season two. Which is, yeah, yeah, they kind of say, this is for another time, but they basically leave it. Mandalorian gives her the lightsaber, oh, the, the, the dark saber, sorry. And Moff Gideon's kind of narrating the whole thing, saying, "Well, yeah, that's the whole story yeah. behind it. You can't just give it; she has to fight it." Yes, the So that's an interesting yeah. dynamic, but yeah. not yeah. to the death necessarily. Not necessarily, but uh, yeah, Bo-Katan's really conflicted here. Yeah, but this is where. So this is one of the negatives I actually had was the fact that I felt like Giancarlo Esposito was underused in the season. He's such an amazing actor. You watch Breaking Bad, you watch some of the shows he's been in. He's incredible, right? And yeah. in this character as well, he kills it. And you only really see him in the finale do stuff. So that's why I felt like that they just didn't use him enough in this season and was, as they did. He's very menacing. Yeah. Until after he loses Darkseid, he becomes yeah. a little bit different then, but yeah. he is very menacing. Yeah, yeah. super menacing. Yeah. Right? And you can tell that there's, he, he, I think he knows a lot more than he lets on. I would have loved to have seen more of him in the season. Whether it's, you know, throughout each episode, even if it's a few minutes in every episode, whatever it is, but just a bit more. 
They need yeah, to use him a bit more. Absolutely. He, he's one of those characters that just is one of those antagonists that just knows the law better than anyone else. Like, he knows Mandalorian law. Yeah. He identified Din Djarin by name in season one before anyone even knew who he was. He understands the whole idea about, well, what, why Baby Yoda is significant. I think it's, it's, there's a lot of arcane knowledge that he's obsessed with, which is a callback to Emperor Palpatine. It's also a callback to Thrawn, yeah. uh, Grand Admiral Thrawn. They, they all had this fascination with arcane knowledge. Yeah. Very commanding, very knowledgeable. And that's why I think he wants to inject himself with that, with the same M count that he's trying to extract from Baby Yoda to make himself a Sith because he would make a really good, really good Sith. Yeah. Interesting. I think there's also potential. He spoke about the Night of a Thousand Tears, the Purge of the Mandalorians, which we don't actually see. Yeah, that doesn't happen in the Clone Wars. Last thing we see about Mandalore is, like I said, in Empire's taken occupation and... I think it's like the Mandalorian Civil War, right? Like what Boba Fett says that Jang, his father fought in the Mandalorian No, that's Civil different. Wars. That's, that's the Mandalorians fighting each other. Yeah, I know, but I'm saying the Night of a Thousand Tears. I think that comes after the Civil War. Yeah, yeah, it comes. That's when the I don't know if it was the Empire retaking Mandalore. Yeah. But it happens during the events of the original trilogy. Yeah, and he references these weapons like E-Web blasters, devastating those people. So yeah, we have gotta yeah see where that, where that goes. Obviously, there's a lot to talk about. I've got a bit of trivia, then we can talk about the just quickly briefly talk about the shows that are coming, and we'll wrap it up because this is probably going to be our longest episode ever. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, wow. uh, so. The episode actually aired on the fifth anniversary of Force Awakens, and this is the first live action appearance of Luke Skywalker on TV since the Muppet Show, the stars of Star Wars in 1980. Yeah, I heard about that. So there is a post credit scene, which is basically setting up the Boba Fett show. It's called Book of Boba Fett, and they've already released, uh, announced the date, which is the uh, December 2021, so a year from now. Upcoming Star Wars shows. So they've announced. They announced 10 shows in this Disney Investor mm. conference, but mm. they actually held back the Boba Fett one. So there's actually 11 shows coming up. Yeah. So the other ones are Obi-Wan Kenobi, Ahsoka, Rangers of the New Republic, Andor, The Acolyte, mm. which is apparently 200 years before Phantom Menace. It's, oh. the, it's the Old Republic. Uh, the Bad Batch. There's a Lando show. There's Star Wars Visions, which is an anime-style anthology series. Yeah. Droid Story, which is also animated. Obviously, Man Moon Season 3 and Book of Boba Fett is the 11th one. Massive lineup. Breaking. Massive lineup, yeah. Mm. No dates really announced for any of these, right? No. Which one are you most looking forward to out of that list? Obi Wan. Yeah. Yeah, for me, it's Obi Wan and Andor. I'm really looking forward to Andor. I'm not, yeah. not too keen on Andor, yeah. but the yeah. cast just has me very, very I think excited. Obi Wan and Ahsoka for me. The return of Hayden Christensen is massive. That's, That's in Obi Wan. Yeah, Obi Wan. Yeah, because yeah. 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 um, Andor they've casted um, Genevieve O'Reilly, Stellan Skarsgård, Denise Goff, and Carl Sola. So it looks like it's a pretty stacked cast for a sideshow of a sideshow. I guess the one I'm looking forward to is probably Obi Wan, to be honest. But Boba Fett should be interesting as well. Mm-hmm. Visions will be cool too. It'll be cool to see how like Japanese, like it'll be like the Animatrix, right? It'll be like mm. short stories, yeah. ten short stories. And it'll yeah. be like the Dark Knight, uh, the Dark Knight anthology that they did one for Batman. Yeah, well. yeah, they did one for them as well. Mm-hmm. And then Acolyte will be interesting. Old Republic. We've never gotten any sort of TV or movie on the Old Republic. So yeah, I reckon cool for me it's Obi Wan and the Acolyte because Acolyte's only ever been explored in other games or like those like those amazing CGI trailers you would see for like the multiplayer online games but like the graphics would be terrible the 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 the, the, the game the trailers look like amazing like movies yeah, yeah. Yeah. so like i'm really like interested to see like how they explore that sort of era it's yeah. really cool yeah and as a clone wars fan the bad batch is probably the direct 
production continuation of the Clone Wars series. So, yeah, that's, that's going to be interesting to see what happens with that team. It's a good year for cool, Disney. Cool. Mm. Yeah, it's, I mean, they've, not just this, they've got all the Marvel mm. stuff as well. So, killing it, yeah. Disney Plus is suddenly looking like a, a must have streaming service for, oh, for fans Jackson. of per, Percy Jackson. And that comes fans of Percy Jackson. Yeah. <laughs> Only <laughs> Percy Jackson. <laughs> Everyone else can fuck off. <laughs> Percy Jackson on nothing. I actually really like Percy Jackson. I'm going to get into it. Yeah. Is there a show or something? It's, it's coming, coming out. out it's coming on out. Disney Plus. All right. Yeah. I, I, I don't know about that one. Yeah. They're redoing it. Like well, that. you can fuck off then. <laughs> <laughs> There's a parody for you on another streaming service. If you want to watch that. There's a parody called Percy Jackson Lightning Thief with um, Logan Lerman. It's a really good parody. You should watch it. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Okay. On that note, I guess we'll um, <laughs> we'll wrap things up. Hope you enjoyed this very detailed, in-depth deep dive into into the Mandalorian season two. Thanks to our guests, you've obviously you've added so much value. We we wouldn't have been able to discuss all this stuff because we haven't watched Clone Wars or Rebels. So thanks to thanks to all of you. That's a pleasure. Thanks for inviting us. We could literally talk about this all night. Yeah. It's, yeah. yeah. It's got to. It's got to be. It's got to be cut somewhere. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna. I think we're all a little bit hungry. That's all. I'm hungry. Yeah. Okay. Um, bye. <laughs> so, if people want to get in touch with us about Mandalorian seasons two, how do they go about it? So, we've got our email at cognitive recalibration podcast at gmail.com and cognitive recalibration on all other platforms. And if you uh, want to support the podcast, please give us a, a good review on iTunes or Spotify. And if you do want to support us even further, there's going to be Amazon affiliate links. In the episode description to all anything Star Wars, I'll put all the Star Wars movies if you want to buy those on Blu-ray. And if you want to support us further, there's also a buy me a coffee link where you can give us a one-off donation, which we'll use to further develop the podcast. All right. Once again, thanks everyone for, for listening to this episode and thanks for your continued support. Hope you're all staying safe and we'll see you in the next episode. See you later. See ya. See ya. See you guys. See ya. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. 
Sign up with Code Program for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code Program.